the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 70 and Bellator 291 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Yo, what's up, my friends? It's Dan Tom here, MMA Junkie Action Network. But this here program, the Protect Neck Podcast. Well, as I straighten my camera for you on YouTube, I uh, I host this. Uh, this shit show, as you can see, or here, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, appreciate you guys for joining along, uh, you know, not that I deserve it, feel free with the five-star ratings and reviews, feel free to like and subscribe, not that I deserve it, but hey, we are here, we are breaking down UFC Vegas 60, uh, we're also going to be touching on Bellator 291, not as much as I would like, uh, that event definitely deserves your attention, shouts to those uh, covering it. Uh, I know that the Severe MMA crew are, are, you know, it's in their backyard over there in Dublin, i.e. I will be talking about the main event. Got the in-depth breakdown up at MMA Junkie if you want that for Storley Amosoft 2 or Amosoft Storley 2. Um, you know, we're splitting hairs there, but uh, that's definitely a fun matchup. Um, again, if you're listening in the future, 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 feel free to check the timestamps. I always give timestamps when it starts. And for the YouTube uh, crowd, hello. Uh, they're not up there yet. Obviously, we're live, but um, thanks to like uh, the uh, Jack Slack fan account uh, for the timestamps uh, there on YouTube, uh, teaching me teaching me the ways. As uh, despite looking young, my boomer tendencies make it very difficult uh, for things that you think should be easy. Well, for me to do, uh, amongst other reasons. Well, uh, I will have those timestamps, of course, here too. For we usually do recaps, shouts, and whatnot. Try not to get too distracted. Trying to give love and balance out the chat as well, um, which is another very welcome obstacle, but one nonetheless for my sensibilities. Like how I did a little crazy sign there. I know, right? Jesus. Well, Freddy in there, Dan. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, trying to get too lost into that. Then we go to the breakdowns. Um, we'll do Touch Bellator first, and uh, and then uh, UFC Vegas 70, UFC Fight Night 220, UFC Fight Night Krylov versus Span? Um, I'm just going to do that high pitch question mark thing for like all these fight nights because it's probably just evergreen at this point. But um, yeah, uh, we'll talk about that. And again, all from top to bottom and as per usual, uh, you know, most shows will give you, granted, we'll give you winning picks and plays, but most shows don't do the recaps at the very end. I try to do that to you as far as, uh, you know, recapping my picks and plays in case you're short on time or you know, again, you don't care to listen to my voice, which I don't, I really don't blame you. And again, the results, I don't know how much you're missing. This is probably mainly for uh, analyst nerds at this point and just hardcore listeners. Again, no fans of this show, listeners, no fans. Uh, but I appreciate you, all of you listeners, uh, viewers at this point. Uh, we got the normal ones in the house. We got Ghost Phantom in there. What's up, Dan? Can't be as positive as Alvin, but I got to send you some positive vibes. Alvin's in the chat? Oh, man. Everyone needs some Alvin Yakitori in their life. I, I definitely could use uh, definitely use some. This show could use some. But uh, Ghost Phantom says, uh, can't be as positive as Alvin, but got to send you some positive vibes. Can't stay long, but wishing you a good show. Thank you, Ghost Phantom. I appreciate your contributions nonetheless, sir. Hope you are uh, well as well. Um, 
me see. Uh, we got uh, James uh, Kendrick. We got my guy uh, TV Scouting. Tyler, what's going on, buddy? Um, now I'm worried if I'm missing uh, my guy uh, Alvin Yankatori's comments. We'll see there. Um, I'll get to your question here in a second, James. I'm probably going to try to share this out before I forget, uh, even though you know, sometimes it's maybe it's better because, you know, people jump in like, oh, he's breaking it down. Oh, it's a recap. Oh, he's... He's ranted on something, isn't he? Oh, Jesus. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to you know, do that uh, typical share there. And as I do that, it'll be actually a good excuse to see uh, if my guy, uh, if I miss any, actually, uh, comments. Um, again, I kind of upgraded my Ecamm Live system. So upgrades all around the house. Hope you guys are continuing to enjoy the timestamps. I will pay the compliments again to the chef, uh, which is my uh, creative and amazing uh, girlfriend. So I have things blasting in my ear now. Um, yeah, I don't see it there, but it's okay. Uh, he's probably just referencing, um, probably just referencing Alvin because he's always uh, positive and always here. So uh, that's probably what it was. Shouts to Alvin Yakatori, nonetheless. Um, all right, gonna share this out and we'll get going. Uh, I answer my guy uh, James Kendricks in the chat question. Feel free add in the chat what you guys will. Breakdowns and whatnot. Um, I will uh, again. I'll touch in the beginning, touch in the middle before we... <laughs> easy. <laughs> touch in the middle. Easy. Not in a creepy uncle way. I will touch on your questions in the chat in the middle of the program. Uh, phrasing, Dan. Uh, and of course, you know, as we clean up toward the end. So, appreciate you guys just sharing this out. I'm now breaking down you. Hashtag UFC Vegas 70. Um, you're, uh, got the, when you've got the dyslexia... Uh, and, and stuff there, uh, or at least prone to it. Uh, you got to be careful. Go, got to read your stuff over and over again. Oh, well, what did I do? What did I do? This is this is this, is this show uh, wishing to the universe. As soon as I figured it out, uh, in swoops Alvin. Hello, Dan. I hope we can all root for all the fighters, even if you are not a fan of them. They put their heart and should uh, and soul. Uh, to put on uh, great performances and should be praised. Absolutely well said, my man. Love the positivity there. Um, appreciate that. that. That's what we need more of, man. Uh, this community, MMA gambling community especially, but really just the world in general, right? Let's 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 not let's not uh, throw stones here. Although you know, uh, we probably will in a in a second. But no, it's uh, it's all fun. And again, ultimately, we gotta respect the people uh, going. Going in there, I'm trying to be better about that. You know, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that because, uh, again, get, let he who casts the first stone, and you guys know I'm definitely um, not one to shy away from from being being a hypocrite and or you know for when I am and and will raise my hand uh, self admittedly uh, and be accountable. Probably have to do so again here. Oh, I will, but I mean in, in, in multiple ways that I'm kind of hinting hinting to. But that being said, and I will come clean for being being a hypocrite and guilty in, in all the ways that I complain about too. Like I usually do, folks. Keep that same energy. But yeah, man, the disrespect on fighters, it really gets to, you know, especially when you see the stories for what they're fighting for, not even the hypothetical what they could lose, which should be enough and is always true, right? Um, for what they're for what they're doing and, and uh fighting for out there and then just to see the same tired jokes, whether they're deserving and have substance for something that the fighter actually did. Or it's like silly things like, uh, and again, you can play about this. We'll, we'll get to it, but just like the whole, you know, yeah, yeah, you'll see fighters taking shade. I mean, just the whole normal, you know, making fun of uh, gay fighters, that, uh, you know, openly gay female fighters, and uh, 
even if fighters that male that were gay, it's much, it's uh, you know, not honestly much harder. It's, it's all hard, but it's definitely not a friendly uh, atmosphere to come out in, right? Um, so I don't know who would, right? Uh, if they were, if a fighter was, but like seeing fighters who like, you know, clearly aren't uh, gay get shade and thrown at them, and it's just like, what's the common thread here? Oh. Throwing shade at gay people. That's <laughs> creative, funny, <laughs> very not typical in MMA, um, you know, and all the like. So you just see stuff and it just, listen, I get it. It's, it, it, you know, I, I'm, sh you know, I'm sure it doesn't come from, you know, you know, a neo-Nazi or a Nazi's heart. Uh, you know, I'm sure, that, you know, the people that doing these aren't like ardent racists by the definitions of what, you know, some people, um, you know, may lean into are the harder strides of the stereotype. That being said, doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's not wrong. Doesn't mean it's not uh, d discriminatory. And doesn't mean it just, just doesn't get old. So, try to be better about that shit. But yeah, we, to Alan, just, I'm just speaking on, uh, you know, Alan brought it up in the chat. You know, really, we really all should try to be better. And myself included, raising my hand here. You know, just, just a lot of, uh, just a lot of lazy crap, uh, you know, uh, you know, for example, uh, like, uh, somebody, uh, you know, he's using my, like, uh, digging, almost like, I don't know, it's like, do they have, like, the, the anniversary thing, because it just happened to be on, like, the anniversary of, like, uh, my mom surviving this, like, near-death thing that's left her, you know, with aphasia and all these other stroke-ridden, other, like, disabled things, uh, that's made life very difficult, and, um, and whatnot. So like, you know, it just seems like, oh yeah, let's go after this dude for that. Like, dude, look at me. There's so many things you can go after me for. Like, call me a nerd. You know, like, dude, like, the post. My one of my latest posts when I when I got that tweet too is like a post of like me linking like which. By by the way, like you know, I had the challenge for like the last year because from 2021 till now, um, and there's just been just bad bets and bad results on my end. I'm not I'm not crying crying about it but definitely 2022 and 2021 folks like find anybody on the on more disproportional bad beats um but like you know so now now the challenge is like you know of course now that i start tracking my record it's just fucking awful right like so now that's the second challenge like find me somebody who's having a rougher start right now you know what i'm saying and even people that are like within the same neighborhood they probably bet like golf or football or a bunch of other sports that keep them afloat keep them entertained you know, maybe keep the uh, distraction from the pain, even if it's not going well, where this is kind of all, all I got. Like, yo, I'm, like, showing my ass. Like, yo, make fun of me for that. Like, that's fair game. Like, I have, like, really, like, with these, you know. You know, it's funny, too, because it was just, like, all the old Dan Tom luck and, and just to kind of an extra peek behind the curtain as to why maybe this bad streak that seemingly should have been due, you know, last year sometime to end keeps going. Uh, not only am I tracking now with the Action Network app, I had uh, some of my bosses, uh, God bless them, were like, uh, a couple weeks ago, were like, hey, Dan, you know, we really want to maybe think about using you, you know, as, as a model uh, for betting account. And immediately once I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, I am going to fucking not do, be going, doing good for a while, aren't I, if that's the case. Because, again, grateful. More grateful than most, believe me, in, in this game and, and outside. I, I'm prideful of how grateful I am. Fortunate. Privilege, yes, but when it comes to circumstantial luck, oh, circumstantial luck, find me, find me, you know, find me someone else who has PTSD from the anger management and uh, meet the parents movies as me, uh, so again, you know, if you want to dunk on my results and whatnot, like, dude, just, just do that, like, 
you know, dunk on me. Like, there's just, there's so much there. But again, you know, back to whether it's me, whether it's fighters, whether I know the fighters or not, like, it's just like, I, it, I don't know. It's like, I know that's the internet, but it's just like, it just seems extra low for the internet. Like, there's so many other things you could, like, shit on someone for. But that is the culture. Um, and I think a lot of it, it's just, again, it really epitomizes from the betting and MMA gambling side of it. Because you see, that's where you see a lot of these sickos, right? Especially with, like, my bad beats and bad things. Like, oh, yeah, I, even though, God forbid, I'm actually one of the few people that doesn't charge and open, shows my work, does not, is, is actually responsible, which is just, like, from betting broadcasts, from, like, DraftKings promos, to the way people comport themselves from MMA gamblers to MMA gamblers with platforms, decent ones and small ones. God forbid I'm actually responsible, show my work, don't charge, humble, don't victory lap. Um, but, uh, sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> don't get hit in the head, folks. Uh, but yeah, of course, uh, yeah, anyways, yeah, of course I'm, I, I'm the guy. But uh, anyways, yeah, just, just feel free to dunk on me for that. Um, but just, you know. The personal shit I was just like Jesus that's a low I know I shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised but uh but yeah man I don't sorry shouts yeah I don't I don't really uh I don't really get it and uh it's not even like so much I don't even care about the industry stuff cause like honestly guys like I think I, I noticed it like even last year like December or even like November I would hit um amidst, amidst the streak I would hit have like a winning night and then it's like uh I it, it doesn't even like I don't even not that again not that I'm a victory lap guy in the first place God forbid you know we give those guys the breaks um, you know like you know or we don't give guys like that don't victory lap the breaks right come on now um, but like uh, it just to be honest like I'm so beaten down by this game like it's like it doesn't even do anything for me you know and when I hit these winning bets it does, I don't get the jolt like for one I'm 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 pretty level headed especially now knowing my luck I'm just like. People will be like, yeah, see, look, you're back on it. I'm like, it was one bet, relax. Like, don't jinx me, you know what I'm saying? Like, have you guys seen this game, A? And then, you know, B, have you seen Have you seen my luck? And that's going to be the annoying part is, like, whether I lower my units and um, which will probably guarantee I finally get a winning night. But regardless of the circumstances, I will get a winning night and everybody will be kind. And I'll appreciate you all for being kind. But really, it's, I'm going to seem like a dick because I'm, I'm, it's not going to do anything for me, A, inside, and B, like, I could sweep my next 10 events and it's not going to undo the damage and bad beats that, you know, um, from a mathematical or, or emotional uh, standpoint at this point. Like, it just doesn't fucking matter. I'm going to keep doing my stuff and tracking my stuff and being accountable um, because that's who I am and it's my job to still cover this stuff. Uh, but, I've, yeah, I've definitely thought about, um, we'll see how this fight night goes, um, but I've definitely thought about shifting content to, like, not even doing these fight night cards, like, unless, like, you know, uh, I, w I were to have to shift over, God forbid, to any kind of, like, a Patreon or something, like, let you guys make some small threshold, and if it gets to a threshold, I'll go break down the card, or have, like, a certain thing for people who could have requests for upcoming fight that I break down uh, for both them and the podcast, um, but, like, dedicating and putting the amount of stress that I do, and, like, you know, when your family members, like, you know, uh, loved ones, like, use the descriptors of you you let your work consume you, that's a really bad word. Uh, I don't want to be that person. 
and when I see how much work I put in and maybe it shows and people are watching that I don't realize like people tell me all the time and people in the broadcast from Bellator this weekend to the UFC read my stuff religiously whether they want to shout it or admit it or not right um, and the analysis even amongst this ridiculously bad streak I'm having some stupidly accurate analysis which is an extra twist of the knife right uh, like I know I'm gonna get the red light but why do I also have to roll up to the yellow red that pisses me off you know uh, anyways but uh, point is like you know like uh you know then just to get these like results over and over again it's it's really it's really disheartening you know uh and then the work that you do put in not even for stupid results but just putting that work in makes it harder to do your real life stuff and then you know i've got a dog that i'm taking in for another cancer checkup you know um i had my mom's anniversary with her thing uh i reconnected you know, um, with an aunt, we just found out she's going through stage three cancer right now. Um, aunt that was like responsible for like taking care of me growing up and stuff, like close family member. So it's like you know you you know you see all this shit and it's just like it just reminds you what's important. You know, uh, we'll we'll talk about the result. Uh, my guy Juan Camilo uh, coming up short, but I was just so fucking proud of him. Like the dude he went through so much that I don't know about but what I do know about is so much more than what most people w w would know or suspect and then if going through a fight week isn't enough and cutting weight isn't enough uh, that you've been waiting two years through all these stupid crazy injuries and, and suspensions for um, that we touched on in the last thing and then it's just like you know you just see from like timeline from like friends of mine to like little shitty outlets like tweeting like cheap like cocaine jokes when the guy is literally dedicating his platform to try to save his sister who's going through cancer shit and whether and again you listeners I'm not fucking special you know he's he's not the, you know special in that sense you guys all have somebody going through like real life shit and these fighters are real life people going through real life shit too so you know not to start all heavy and shit but 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 you know trying to spin it back to of the positive note but also touching on what uh what Alan said about these fighters are like Yo, these fighters are real people, you know? And so it's like, you know, we make our jokes. I'm not beyond it. I call myself out on it. You know, but let's at least try. If we're going to make jokes, let's, let's A, most importantly, keep in mind these fighters are people. And B, if we are going to have fun, at least try to be fucking funny and creative, right? At least try to be fucking creative, right? Um, let's, let's not, let's not, you know, uh, let's not drag people's family members. Let's not... Uh, anyways, I'm not. I'm, I'm. Who the fuck am I to tell you what to do? The point is, I just don't like it, and that's my right to not like it. You guys do what you want, but yeah, man, I just there's just too much heavy shit going on, and uh, and it's like, man, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's hard to really get excited for these fights and stuff. I'm I'm still gonna do my due diligence for my job. Like I can't help it. I got notes. I got some bets for you guys. I'm gonna give you guys what I got. But man, when this is like real life shit going on, it just, it, I don't know. It doesn't make the fights as appealing. doesn't make me as tolerant to stupid jokes and putting up with stupid shit I see on the timeline, even from friends and people that I, that, uh, that I got love for. Just, just, I just don't have it. So if you guys are excited, awesome. Hopefully that despite my picks and especially the plays coming up short, hopefully this analysis is still serving you guys something, but it's hard to come on here when like, you know, like shit, it's like, 
not even like the biological depression, which is a Tourette's core morbidity that I, I struggle with and clearly, you know, have been have been struggling with. So I'm just trying to get back in the gym and just, just do things. It's been a crazy start to the year amongst outside of like this betting shit. Um, but like, yeah, man, like, I don't know, man, just, just uh, not being able to, having a to-do list that you, you, you're constantly taking L's on, having something stupid like betting plays you're constantly taking L's on, um, and you take L's uh, other places, you just, uh, it's, it's tough. So let's, let's, let's get off my fucking, uh, soapbox and, uh, get to it, uh, not an official sponsor, but I want to shout my guy D loves underscore turmeric underscore tonic. That's T U R M E R I C. Uh, of course, that's the turmerictonic.com. Use code protect 15 for 15% off. Turmeric's great, man. I put it in my smoothies, I chop it up raw. And when I can get it in that juice form, especially with a little bit of lemon and ginger, Derek does the job for me. Um, dude, it's awesome. And I'm probably going to need it once I start getting my joints tugged on uh, by all these kiddos again, getting back into uh, Extreme Couture. Um, it's another far, fun part about, you know, uh, showing your work and, and talking shit and, uh, you know, helps keep you online because, uh, you know, you're actually getting on the mats in a, in a place where a lot of a lot of these people train and cross through. Um, but, hey, you know. Wow, Dan. It's like, well, who's, who's, who's cashing their bets, bro? It's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I swear, I swear to God, if I fucking came on here with like a sideways cap and was just like, I'm the best, and I don't like recap losses and like just do all the other typical shit and like, oh, you know, I'd probably be so much more successful. But nevertheless, we go, let's see, what time? 21 and 1. We go 6 and 5 overall picks at UFC Vegas 69. 1 and 0. Oh. In our totals, that was the only play we would hit because we got 0-2 in, what is that? Sorry, my eyes aren't really good, folks. I'm in trouble. Focusing later in the evening. Um, didn't sleep good last night. Uh, I don't know. 0-2 in straight plays, I guess? I don't know. 0-4 in, in it, it's offers. There we go. 0-4 uh, in props. 0-4 in the round robin. Didn't even hit one, which means 0-1. In the long shot parlay, I wrote here. Um, Riggs shout from last podcast. I forgot to shout my guy Drake Riggs uh, when I was looking over. Uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not. Where like, you could argue that she beat Tracy Cortez. We'll talk about Aaron Blanchfield who headlined USC Vegas '69. Um, but like, ooh, excuse me. I chugged like the last of my warm coffee before getting on here to try to up the energy for you guys um but uh she uh arguably lost to Kay Hansen and I felt less crazy with those opinions because uh of course representative scorecards that I could find online agreed with me supplied by not only then Drake uh Riggs uh someone in this space of course I respect um so I want to shout that I actually have the tab for the results look at me Look at me. Of course Aaron Blanchfield defeated Jessica Andrade by submission. Uh we were on a drage Inside the distance, um, at a plus number, what was it, plus 110, and then we hit the under 3.5, which, again, the analysis for that proved right, even on a worse day. Uh, under 3.5 minus 150 at 1.5 units to cover that loss, um, so we would have broken even the fight. We still would have came up on a loss no matter what, but the loss is extra because I added Andrade 
uh, at minus one twenty or one fifteen. The, the number was just, uh, you know, stupid in my opinion in many's. And uh, of course, I, I was like the mush man. I was like the mush, and I, I just, I feel more bad for the other people that are on it than me because, like, at this point, again, I'm expecting to lose. But I'm like, man, do I gotta like crash on my other friends' bets? And then, you know, again, to make it worse, of course, especially with this like. What is we'll talk about the short notice fight, which isn't seven days. But what what is with these like seven days short notice fights where like, you know, again I got my bias and counter bias. I wasn't betting it. Betting it. It really wasn't a fight. Um, you know, too bet strong given the short notice, right? And people seem to admit that much regardless of what side they're on with Strickland Imavov. But you know, Strickland comes in and everybody's just like, oh, how did you not know? Why'd you pick him off? Oh, uh, it, it was a bad Styles match. Oh, really? Okay, everyone ta t talking to me about Styles matches. That's exactly why I picked against him. It surely wasn't because it was on seven days short notice. I don't know what the fuck Sean Strickland was doing, who was, uh, you know, a guy who got hurt doing a motorcycle accident is like the week before on his social media is getting in a motorcycle off-road wreck and laughing about it as he falls into rocks and bushes. Like, okay. You know, and then you got, and which I gave credit for and even said, you know, if you are going to bet Bruno Fajeda, it's round one knockout. And, and sure enough, you know, despite losing most of the round and taking the fight on seven days notice and never really being out of round one except for a couple times, never being even in round three to a decision, much less to a decision. And now he's in the UFC in front of his home country. Um, of course, that hits. And then again, I give credit to it too. So I, I'm not shitting on people who cashed it or people who would call these people sharp because I gave credit uh, and even credence to that possibility beforehand. Uh, but again, that's sharp as shit, right? Oh, I guess, I guess short notice, you know, I guess short notice doesn't matter. Now you got Jessica Andrade coming in on a short notice, more proven uh, than any of those sample size, more winning than any of those sample size, the most winning woman regardless of divisional sample size. Um, someone who never shows to tire, an athlete, so they've got that reserve. They always seem to be active, even when they're traveling, training, coaching. Um, you know, again, the reasons if you were going to bet someone on short notice to, to, to bet them, you've got, again, the stylistic interplay, uh, st stylistic interplay like, uh, and, and I'm somebody who was, was high on Blanchfield, uh, as well. Um, you know, and... and it's just one of those classic things, and it's just like, and again, it's cool. Like, I, I got people that I respect that are, whether they're analysts, I got people that are, like, from the New York and New Jersey area. You know, I got love for both those states. You know, I got love for all y'all. But again, you know, when Hawaiians or extreme couture people win, um, do I, you know, I, I don't get the victory lap. And if I did, I would get fucking called out on it, right? And the times where I do want to be fans and root for these guys and sit back where I'm too biased, like the Justin Janes or Juan Camilo Renderos of the world, um, you know, uh, not only do, you know, uh, not that it's about me or about this, but yes, not only do I not get to enjoy the full fan experience by getting to cheer on winners, you get to just, if losing is not enough and if winning is not enough for other people, you get to see them shit on them for like things like drugs and gambling, which again, by the way, folks, not my particular, a particular choice of drugs. And if you talk uh, to my man himself, he'll actually make a joke about it. He's got a, he's got a great attitude about this his result even though he obviously wanted to win he's got a great attitude about this thing's life don't feel bad for him in that sense like I'm, I'm just getting emotional here because it's just like I just want you know uh, some good people that I know to uh, 
that I know will do some good stuff with their money um, to get the wins. But yeah, you got to see people like take shots at him for like taking a fight on short notice and popping on a drug test. Like again, let let he and not my flavor, but again, let he who cast the first stone who doesn't do drugs. And again, I love the one you know where they pick on my guy Justin James for gambling because because everybody surely kept that same energy. Um, when other fighters gambled on themselves and won, oh no, wait, they praised the shit. They didn't. They praised the shit out of them, even though again, those of us who were smart like us were kind of seeing the problem down the window when someone was going to get stupid of it, see, stupid with it, and ruin it for everybody. See James Krause, and then y'all are getting mad. Um, but no one was calling it out, win or lose, before. Forget keeping that same energy. But again, well, why not throw stones at someone who's already down, especially for gambling, like? What kind of low-life gambles? Audio listeners, I'm pausing and looking in the mirror, both for myself and hopefully for the proverbial you listening. But that, that's who we make. That is that is who we make fun of. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, so yeah, Andrade, back to Andrade Blanchfield. Like, you know, uh, or, you know, so like, you know, it's great, you know, everybody gets to have the experience rooting for their hometown fighter or the fighter they've been on. And for good reason like Blanchfield has a lot of skills that I outlined in my breakdown like I know I was talking a lot of shit on the matchmakers and the card format and for good reason with the card they gave us last last week but like there's so much to like about Blanchfield and it just sucks they buried her on the prelims up until this spot and now she's getting her due and granted it's a little bit of overcorrection while what's getting lost in the shuffle or gets just kind of mentioned and then passed on is the fact that Andrade took this fight on short notice and again I do not like, especially when I'm on the wrong end of a bet, as the last time I want to say this, right, for something I rarely say in the first place, to say, oh, they didn't look the same. Something looked off. I hate that. I hate that shit. But goddamn, isn't, is there any other time where not only did they look off, but let me just let me cite myself doing something I hate and raise myself with doing something else I hate by citing Conor and quoting Conor McGregor. But if there's anybody that looks stuck in the mud, was it not Andrade in the first round, right? And I didn't rewatch it, um, but like I'm hearing mix of like you know people are like oh she blew her away and I'm like okay well if she blew her away it's because maybe because she fought took it on short notice and again to my previous point maybe didn't look the same. Not saying that uh, Blanchfield isn't good or wouldn't have won uh, anyways, right? But like uh, then you've got um, you know and then you got like. Uh, Sorry, uh, people that I respect, like striking analysts, going. Um, she was actually getting hit. Even some arguing that striking exchanges, you know, were actually kind of fairly even. Um, you know, uh, going from you know your perspective uh, uh, as far as criteria goes on the heavier shots, siding with Andrade, even though her optics were really bad because she was just again she looked bad firing and she looked like she was quickly tiring, which is just like. Not Andrade, right? Uh, but again, it was short notice. Like so that is the lesson where I should have should have uh, known better. And oh, that's being rude or discrediting Blanchfield. No, man, I was giving credit to Blanchfield, man. I was giving credit to her. To you know, again, the analysis wasn't wasn't bad, but you know, the bet was right. Again, didn't cash was a was a bad bet, and then I, I doubled down on it because of the number, and I chased the first time I chased and added. Um, even not even chase, just added all year. I've been like trying to be disciplined and whatnot. And again, volume betters, ads, lot. like other people can get away with this stuff. Your boy here, nah, 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 nah. I can't, I can't. So why I'll probably keep it small. That and uh, 
I don't know, man. Anybody, I mean, I know it's kind of an evergreen answer. Yes, my bookie is always fucking with people. But uh, I've only continued to stay there because after that whole tobacco, they gave me, like, a free um, bankroll uh, to play with. So I've just been playing off that just for round robins because that's the only house I can round robin at. Uh, but I really need a new house to round robin because, um, yeah, let's just say there's there's more fuckery on the my bookie end. And I've been seeing just that chatter not stop. So feel free to hit me up if that is uh, if that is you. Um, but, yeah, so I don't even know if I'm going to round robin, which is good because I'm not hitting those anyways. I'm actually having been having really bad luck. And even though they're, like, really small bets, um, they look bad on the stats, especially when you're losing your ass off like I am because it's, like, it looks like 10 to 11 to 12 bets on a card, but you forget that, like, seven of those are from the round robin slash round robin long shot parlay, right? Because um, that breaks into seven plays in itself. So realistically, I'm staying within my limit of no more than really like five five plays outside of a round robin. But again, it lists you know this person went eleven and one in plays today and is down. Da, 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 da. It just looks fucking even more terrible than my already terrible ass uh, looks. So for many reasons, probably good that I stay away from the round robins. That being said. Um, feel free to let me know if you guys uh, know any houses that I can play at in Las Vegas. Again, another th betting pet peeve. These people, you know, the, 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 oh, bro, cash those bets and this and that. I cash this, bro. You know, um, everybody bragging on the timelines or, you know, showing their bet in MA tips like numbers and stuff. And it's like, man, dude, if I had the DraftKings and FanDuel's round three or decision or wins in round two or round three or wins in round one or round two or fight ends and split decision props like oh my, you know how much of a killing i would have freaking made like i don't even use those for my betting articles because i like to be one of the few people that actually puts their not just shows their work not just transparent not just non-victory lap not just actually shouts other people out, uh, out and not just kind not no. like yeah like I, I actually try to put my money in my mouth is most importantly too and uh so through principle i know principles responsibilities what do those have a place in here dan um, I don't even use those for my content in order to turn in an article, which would make it a lot easier. I could, even if I'm not getting to profit off it in my accounts, I could at least get to ego bump off it, which is not again not my style, which is not I'm not doing it. You know, but if I did, I would be I would be much much more successful. So so um, be grateful for those of you that get to play those lines, and keep that in mind if you want to suggest a house for me to play at, because I'm in Vegas. You would think you'd get access to good lines, but you get access to shit. Zach Pyogo defeated German Wright via unanimous decision. Uh, everyone lost out who bet on this fight because of the way it goes, right? Like who was gonna, you know, who was going to predict that, right? Um, which is why I just kept it small, even though it was a lean, and I still didn't technically have to bet. The fact is, I put content out there. I got a way better line than what was my article, which usually it's the opposite way around. So I was like, fuck it, let's throw was it seventeen or twenty-five bucks. I don't want to see again. Uh, threw that out there. Uh, but it's a great fight. I won't talk about it any more than just to say that this, it's a perfect example to show why it's about luck. Don't let anybody who's on a hot roll start telling you why this and why that and explaining and having, you know, fucking suck their dick sessions, professor, professor sessions, I told you so sessions, however you want to characterize it, whatever it comes closer to, it's luck. Some guys are lucky, some guys ain't. That's why I try to stick to the analysis, even though that's not really rewarding to your boy anymore. But again, Zach Pago, Jordan Wright. Like, this is the kind of shit we're betting on, A. And B, look at the result of it. Like, you're going to tell me that this, is, you know, this game is 
is about any type of skill that so and so knows something that you know other people it's 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 all bullshit, folks. Jamal Pogues defeated Josh Parisian unanimous decision. 30-27's in there. I felt like this was a bit closer watching it live, but again, I could care less. Um, you know, God forbid, I'm, I'm somebody that's actually sympathetic with people who bet things. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I try not to even do the thing like, uh, you know, I, I get it, and we all do it. Um, and it comes from a good place, and we've all, you know, dodged bullets, and I get that. But there's just also that whole thing where it's just like, not only do you win, you have to be like, you know, like, uh, by the way, shouts to the CLV crowd who really continue to kill my, aside from my terrible ass, obviously, first and foremost, accountable. Um, secondly, what kills my betting enthusiasm is the inflated lines, which I am actually blaming on the closing line value boys, uh, as opposed to like the bookmakers setting the lines. Um, just, just the worst, just the worst crap, you know, just the worst. Again, like, as if this game isn't volatile enough, you, we haven't even seen him at the scales. You haven't seen the media come out for like where they're doing their camp, who they're training with. Like, did you? Um, and again, that's the whole thing. There's this culture on betting the number, and and I get it. Um, although, again, it, it, I, I wish those same people would acknowledge how much more dangerous those strategies, as well as any other strategies from other sports and, and other games, uh, can be in a, oh, such a volatile game slash sport, whatever the fuck you want to call it. That MMA is. It's volatile. That's what. The, and definitely is um but but yeah like uh, uh sorry uh but yeah like you know uh, just the whole like you know oh yeah yeah that's what i was saying. I was like, betting pet peeves feel free to put some betting pet peeves in the chat so it's not just me bitching but just like you know it's just like oh yeah it's just like uh when everybody's like measuring their dicks before the fight like about the line speaking of closing line value like guys like this is a crazy game. Like, how about let's just worry about cashing the fucking bet first, huh? Rather than pulling our dicks out. And then well, the worst part about that is when it does cash and they, you know, y'all have the right to do whatever the fuck you want. Don't listen to me. But yes, when they, air quotes, have the right, boy, do they, do they fucking take it. They're just like, oh, not only did I win, you know, but uh, I got a better line than you or I got a better line than the market or, you know, beat this by, you know, uh, the, the, a country mile or, you know, this or that. It's just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, especially, you know, again, as a guy who just can't buy a win, like you're like, oh, of course, winning isn't enough. Let's 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 go there too, right? Like like let's like oh Jesus, you know. Or again, and then when they don't bet and stuff, instead of just like okay, be grateful, you're you're cashing your bets, and you're not betting with this or that. It's just like you know these tweets where it's almost like throwing shade, like oh, you know, it's, you know, good thing I didn't bet it, <laughs> you know, like sucks for you, or you know, essentially, it's like okay, it's just like. Uh, I don't know. It's just this whole fucking look what I did. It's just, ah, it's just, I hate this fucking online culture. I know I'm a boomer. That's what I'm starting to learn how fucking old and out of touch and weird I am. That's my fault. But again, just like it's your right to do whatever the fuck you want. It's my show. Uh, I am me. So it's my right to fucking not like it. Um, and I just, yeah, I just hate this whole fucking, you know. Uh, insert gif of Igor Pateria doing his Fortnite dance. That's like that's like my betting timeline. It's just like while well, my legends and things I care about and people I know and greater good causes and all these things fall down. It's just like no fucking young Fortnite younger fighter fucking hurting the contractual wage from Contender Series. Here we go, baby, cash it.
Like that that's that that is my experience. So, yeah, again, this is another reason why I'm thinking about like not doing these these podcasts cuz look at it, it's just like me just like bitching and complaining and like not in, I could be out working out and improving my mental health and, and state of being and like I'm here doing this shit. Marcy Pragna defeated Thick Willie. Like at least we got a Thick Willie shout on the broadcast. Like there was one silver lining. And again, Dan, you're being a hypocrite. Look at you, you are um, you know, you're saying that, you know, uh, you're saying that it's old that we sexualize female, you know, pick on females and, and, and gay people, you know, which again, why, why, I don't know why you would defend that or Trump, Trump at that. But, uh, you know, but, but look at you, look at you sexualizing Thick Willie, you know, you know, uh, Thick Willie even called it out on TSN MMA show with my guy Aaron Ronsetter saying, you know, y'all got some fetish stuff to check and this and that and playing into this stuff and, you know, uh, and again, folks, I'm not going to be... I've come clean to it before. I'll come clean to it now. Um, I spread it around. I will say that. Like, you know, uh, I, I definitely spread it around. There's no there's no one type. But yes, do I sexualize, you know, the men and make jokes like that that are immature? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely immature. Absolutely I do. But at the same time, and I'm not going to play that card of like, uh, oh, I'm part of this race, so I can say this, or I'm, I admitted it, so it's fine. I can just move on, even though that is a real tactic of today. Uh, I, will, I will also add this, that, again, with all the ridiculous sex- sexualization that gets done to these freaking women, straight or gay, uh, uh, g- gay people in general, uh, trans people, all the strays that those poor folks have to take, like... Is it really so bad that I try to even it out on the other side and sexualize the men for a change? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know I'm entering my own little spin zone here. But, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, that being said, I obviously wish William Knight nothing but the best. You know, he, he say what you will. It's just like, you know, again, just to show what, what class of the level of MMA better is. Like, I'm... And, and what not a surprise and, and why it's... Again, who gives a fuck about me? It's not a surprise they're going to... You know, uh, pick on me. I wish they'd be more creative, especially when I'm like handing them, you know, low hanging fruit. But like, you're gonna go and wish death threats on fighters and fighters like Thick Willie, really? You're gonna go send this guy's death threats. Like, the dude just lost half his pay. He's getting shit on. He's getting called possibly the worst UFC performance. Like, whatever bad moment happened to you that you feel you have to go and hurt others. Like, I doubt that moment was broadcasted on ESPN or ESPN or whatever to millions of people and has to live on the internet forever, right? Uh, and the guy, again, he, he, he gets on the camera like I am to you. I'm not at their best and just accounts for it, man. It sucks, but he accounts for it. And he deserves it, just like I'm sure I deserve a decent amount of whatever you could say about me. But yeah, it's just at a certain point, like I, I sympathize them. It's just like with them, it's like it's like really getting this low. Like Jesus Christ. So again, just really tip of the hat, MMA betting community. You know, um, as much as I'm giving you guys shit, was a lot of my pet peeves because to me, bad losers are normal, but like bad winner speaks volumes more, uh, both good and bad, and uh, it's just so hard. I, I mean. 
Obviously, I guess I gotta say bad losers with the death threats. I guess that's gonna tip the scale to the bad loser. And but boy, I mean, the MMA betting community is so bad that I mean, it's neck and neck between how they win and how they lose. It's, it's just as fucking toxic. It's just as fucking toxic. Um, Alexander Hernandez defeated Jim Miller by unanimous decision. People I respect scored it for Jim Miller, and Jim Miller definitely did better than what the scores. Um, reflect for face value and that's not anything against the judges that just says more about our human nature of seeing a score and the way scores are adjudicated and not realizing that a 30-27 could be a close fight not just a competitive fight close competitive was when someone is making still a decent account of themselves they're not getting blown out of the water um, I think we should really change our language to competitive but clear Whereas we use close but clear, and that's confusing and wrong. And again, folks, just like everything else I said in this episode and prior episodes, I will raise my hand when I am just as accountable. I'm not throwing shade because I, too, in writing and I'm sure verbally, have used close but clear. I, but I feel like if we did competitive but clear and really understood what competitive was, right, um, I think that would be much more fair. Whereas close is what you could be used to justify scores either way even if we just don't really agree with them right and and again that kind of also speaks to potential problems with the criteria that's another conversation but for how it is and as it is done i don't know i feel like that's a language note we should all get on board on and again by the way from these language notes um to like 10 7 language notes shouts to my guys that i was just giving credit to the couch side judges dan urban and scott fontana uh but i will say guys if you're listening I was right on the 10 side. You guys, it's a great 10 7 episode that I pumped on this show, and I'll remind my listeners to go listen to it again. But you guys came to the same conclusion that I said. You know, we're seeing everybody from last week, right, dump on the card, and, and, and people like slowly catching on, like, to the what, what's up with the mindless heavyweight stuff? What's up with this? What's up with that? Wow, body work has been a real big thing. Like, literally, so many trends in and out of the cage for years now. Who's been saying these things? Not first, I don't claim to be, I'm not that guy, but who was saying it for years to the point at nauseam, going on rants about many of these things that are finally coming to light and being talked about and acknowledged. That's the most annoying part, again. It's the fact that my analysis is on point for the actual fighting, for general sports trends in this and that. I actually quietly have a fucking pretty goddamn good record, even just going on my analysis that's in that in-between realm of trend, overall trends to fighter stuff that's outside, like, fight week beats, projections, odds, all these things, spot the fuck on. Chandler McGregor on the top of the list, prospects on the way bottom that aren't even in the UFC, spot the fuck on. But not cool enough to get credit for these things. And back to the luck, I'm not lucky enough to monetize, you know, uh, or make hay off these things, proverbially. So, extra frustrating extra frustrating, you know, like, you know, so, yeah, just, just some shit, uh, Nazim Sijikov defeated El- Evan Elder by TKO, Dr. Stoppage, um, speaking of bad winners, I gotta give credit to good winners when you see them, Th- there were good winners in the timeline that were admitting, um, when they were lucky, uh, you know, people who, you know, shit, if you had Nazim, like I did, I mean, my pick is, even though I didn't bet it, my pick is considered lucky because he was, you know, whether you agree with it or not, I thought it should have probably been 1-1, but I got to rewatch it. I did not rewatch it. Keep that in mind, so I'm not going to die on a hill here. But the fact is, for the facts bros crowd, right, uh, Evan Elder was up 
2-0, and it was stopped by a cut. It should have been stopped by a cut. It was a bad cut. It was a legit cut that uh, Nazim Nas was was targeting uh, and was going to continue to target, listening to interviews with him after the fact. So no problem with that, um, and Nazim should get credit for that because of that. But, again, from a betting standpoint, you got to realize when when you get one. So shouts to those who, who can realize those things. Uh, Shitara, Myra Buenasilva defeated Nina Landsbergen uh, by submission, Nibar. Um, yeah, there we go. I, again, I probably should have should have had that, even though it wouldn't have mattered. I did so bad that even if the Myra Buena sub ended up on my round robin, still wouldn't have mattered. So I'm not, you know, crying or complaining. Uh, but yeah, I actually picked her by sub and she got the sub. Surprise, surprise. Jamal Emmers defeated Hussein uh, Ashkaboff. Um, really wished I did more tape study and refreshing because I probably would have ended up on Emmers, but that doesn't mean I would have bet him. I probably would have still been scared to bet him for the thing that I said, so I'm going to keep the same energy and definitely not play hindsight. Uh, we'll gra give grats to people who uh, were able to cash that Emmers plus money. Good on you. Uh, and I just felt good for Emmers, you know? Just like, again, you don't know what these fighters are going through, and I don't know Emmers' story. I'm not going to pretend to, but man, was I happy for him. Again, I didn't bet it. Uh, but for what it's worth, I didn't pick him. You know, it had nothing to do with that, man. You know, just like, fucking be happy for these people. Um, Philippe Lins defeated OFB Tennessee, 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 uh, by TKO punches, um, round one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought he maybe could get a stop. I, it was a fight that I wanted to stay away from. But I thought he could get a stop uh, as I looked into it. Still didn't play it, so I'm not going to bump my chest. Not that I would. I'm not sad for OSP, really. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people taking the OSP shot. I couldn't get there. Um, I just felt like he was shot, and uh, I was definitely rooting for people that had the ticket. I don't blend. I don't bring that up to make people feel bad and be like, "Oh, I dodged a bullet." Like, no, I. Even though I had no confidence in it in the bet, like I was 100% rooting for OSP and every one of y'all with a ticket. My heart was there with you. AJ Fletcher defeated Themba Garimbo via submission. Um, didn't really watch this one too much, but it's like props to AJ Fletcher because again, it was just like a bunch of it's a it's a crap show. But it, like look how you know you get paid well doing the broadcasting, you're just doing the desk, you get paid well for that, and uh, you know you you could tell like you know uh, Thomas would me back and uh, I had friends that like, mentioned me when we were one of the few people doing like when he was doing fighter profiles and scouting when I was so probably just sees me as like competition and no name so like why give credit to the people like me but I'm sure it doesn't stop people from the broadcast from reading my stuff um, but uh, then Thomas was definitely um, mailing it in uh, I forget what he was like he was just like uh, one, what was one of the things he was saying he was like oh <laughs> oh I could tell he's like Jordan Williams he's like <laughs> Jordan Wright, and man, I'm not trying to pick on Wright, but he was just like, the way he was talking about it, he's like, this guy's so dangerous, he's on a roll. And then he looks down, he's like, well, well, well you may be, may be, may be coming up short, but <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, it was stuff like, I'm not even like talking about, oh, you didn't watch the tape, Dominic Cruz meme. I'm like, I'm talking about, oh, you didn't just glance at the sure dog record because literally these were the kind of mistakes of like, all you have to do is just be able to glance and have somewhat of a memory. And it was just like, holy shit. Just not even bothering. So hopefully, you know, they definitely uh, earned their money. Um, and that's why I was I was really happy for AJ Fletcher just to call the broadcast and be like, stop with your lazy fucking... Re like, I just hate that, you know? And, you know, um, 
again, no offense to Johnny the Greek, who, by the way, when he was on that epic loss, who was one of the pers- who was one of the people? Uh, go rewind the tape. But again, I'm not beyond it. I I I, I laughed at you know I, I I giggled at the memes. I'm not gonna say that I didn't or anything like that. But uh, at the same time, you didn't see me like even like doing subtweets or anything. Um, at uh at Johnny, but uh, if anything, I said you know what I said that's a tough job, and I said I'm like with my luck again, even when I'm doing well, right, and when there's someone down, someone way down to punch down on, right. Uh, I didn't take that. In fact, what I say to you guys, you were on the tape. I said, if that were me, on there, you guys could say I'd do a better job and better process, and I would like to think that I would bust my ass. But I know my luck, and with my luck, if I was Johnny on the contender series slot, I would fucking go on the same losing streak that I'm on now as soon as I did anything on a public platform. Let them, they're not letting me get away with it after the streak that I've been on and even just on an app. You you think my juju, the MMA god in charge of that running running my profile is going to fucking let me let me let me slide on that platform? Hell no. But again, just like just like accounting for a losing bet and reminding everybody on why it's not bad even though I lost money on it too because the importance of eye health and I was rewarded with some shitty eye issues for like two weeks straight that was driving me fucking nuts because that's just fair, right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like one of the few guys that wasn't taking shots on Johnny when he was on that epic losing streak and now I'm the guy on the losing epic losing streak. Again, to pretend that this is fair, skilled, or any of that shit, it's fucking nonsense. It's, it's none of those things. It's, it's stupid, it's silly, and it's lucky. And if I win, I'll be fucking lucky. Um, and uh, but I do I blame kind of Johnny back to my point with the AJ Fletcher thing on the Contender Series. He was the one that stuck it into a lot of the broadcasters' heads where it was like, what? He has a reach advantage, and he's the underdog. You don't often see that. Like, what the fuck does one have to do with the other? It has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. Um, is it not that it's not important? No, it is. Especially if the fighter can use it, and you have a stylistic match where they actually want to strike. And yes, you actually do have metrics, uh, although albeit almost a decade outdated, right? Because when did Reed's Fightnomics book come out? Was it 2013 or 2015? If it was 2015, maybe not as, but if it was 2013, we're almost going on a decade there. But citing Reed's Fightnomics, it was a six-inch reach advantage was was the threshold where you saw win percentages uh, tip in a noticeable portion toward the fighter. But again, how much even that number? Is it because they were outstriking them, especially of that era of striking that it was accounting for, right, in the book, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we still don't have enough guys using, like, jabs, uh, feints, um, proper footwork, right? Uh, guys and gals. So it's 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 kind of silly. Uh, Clayton Carpenter defeated Juan Camilo Renderos. Um, Carpenter. Sorry, I just have I, – I recently tried to revisit uh, Call of Duty Zombies with my girlfriend, and I have that – fucking thing stuck in my head every time I saw his name it was like Carpenter <laughs> by the way um, what the fuck I, 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 I'm such a boomer I was like what's the new one I'm, I'm tired of these old maps because we tried to re- revisit it and I was like oh what's the, the skull meme guy or the modern warfare I'm sure that has the zombies right I got the game no fucking zombies on that game like no even like co-op campaign for zombies or for like I'm like one of those nerds who like I would rather play the story mode which again, that's why I don't fit in the timeline. Everybody's like Fortnite, uh, fucking teabag, I owned you, um, kind of fucking attitude, right? Uh, Zoomers or whatever. I don't know what the fuck you call these kids, whatever generation, whatever. I don't know. Um, 
But like, yeah, whereas me, I'm just like, it's about the story. It's about being, it's with technical moves, the banking, the grenade throw, like fucking that kind of bullshit. Stealth. Like, uh, anyways, but uh, I was like, what bullshit? Um, and fucking, I think it's like Call of Duty 3, Zombies, whatever, like half the time the online thing works, half the time it doesn't. Like, it's ridiculous. And I, since I've already let this podcast go, and uh, I'll, I'll just jump through the rest of it really fastly. One of the things I hate the most, by the way, is any, like... Um, any tutorial of anything you need from a Call of Duty game, like how to do this in a level or how to fix this problem, it's always like 20,000 steps. And especially if it's like how to do something in a level, you're like, hey, how do you get this sword? They're like, oh, it's actually really super easy. Okay, so starting off as I'm already on round 15 and jumping through millions of zombie hordes, I still don't know how they run and jump through them. And then they're like, and of course, you just got to activate the mechanical dildo on the Elder Fear scroll. And if you roll that down, you have to circle all the T's while dungeons. Like, it's really easy. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who has time for all this shit? Anyways, am I old, out of touch? Do you guys feel me on that? Gonna move on, check notes, and we will uh, get to uh, the breakdowns here. Um, da, 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 da. I was told there would be strippers. Oh wait, alien. Oh no, <laughs> you guys are getting me to. You guys are getting me to put stuff on the board. Is is she a strip? I don't know. I, I don't even know where these jokes come from anymore. Like, I, does she or does she just do the twerk thing? Um, I will say. That any pick that any pick that I see of this alien Perez girl, she's uh, she looks like she's either twerking or I I don't know uh, going to the bathroom in the woods. I don't know what to call that pose. <laughs> like, I just uh, is that where the joke comes from? Uh, Barton's back with Chris. Hi, I know as you know I'm new to MMA, consuming a lot of. Okay, I probably finished at fifty-five. Uh, Sorry, he says, uh, consuming a lot of media, I notice types of media stories and analysis. Which would you suggest to learn about the sport? Um, analysis, um, stories, it depends. Not enough stories are done for history and stuff like that, but like, you know, or profiles and deep dives on like retrospectives, careers, like that kind of stuff I love. Um, as well as like up and coming articles. My guy Nolan King, shouts to him, does excellent ones over at MMA Junkie. And then analysis, if you want to understand the mechanics of the sport, which is more what I try to focus on. Uh, Rio Sozen Truesdale. Um, I hope we don't make fun of fighters like you said. Sorry if I apologize. No, it's no, don't apologize. I, I owe just as much of an apology if, if anybody, you know, as far as that stuff goes. I'm just saying a lot of stuff that just been really getting old to me and or, and or really kind of makes you think when you realize the real shit you know, a lot of these people are going through um james kendrick makes me really angry that people come after you personally for something good you are doing for your family i know that's the weird thing it's just one of those things i'm not perfect there's plenty of things to make fun of me but like the typical thing is like you live in your mom's basement and you don't train and it's like i've trained so fucking much and sacrificed my health for it and i actually help take care of my mother and live in my own house so it's just, just again I know I shouldn't respond to those things like I said in the last episode, but there are certain things that are just so principally wrong that, like, not only they're wrong about me, but, like, they couldn't have picked a fucking worse media member to come out with that lazy bullshit. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it says, uh, also, uh, I send you my best wishes as a representative from the Drake Rips chat group. Thank you very much. 
Uh, Liam picks fights. My favorite analyst in the game is live. Thank you, Liam. By the way, shouts to Liam for uh, hitting one of my favorite chokes or trying to hit it. Um, the Takeya Mitsugaki Aljamain Sterling. I saw that, Liam. I saw you, Liam. Um, da 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 da. Uh, Liam has some nice work. Says, "Yo, dead serious, brother. You deserve to make a living for all the hard work you put in. You should be charging for access to my honest opinion. Yeah, I probably should, but again, as I'm coming to that realization and finally stepping up my stuff, um, again, just uh, you know, having a ridiculous losing record." And forcing yourself to go on camera amongst depressive spells, um, to where it looks like you're like probably like close to having a breakdown. Even though the fact is you have those off camera, it's like probably not a great advertising model, my man, Liam. <laughs> Matt Joya, Dan, what's up? Jesus Christ, man! I know, yeah, yeah, I know. Probably not a fun show to drop into. Um, but yeah, um, I got chronic combat conversations. Damn, man! Shout out to Juan Camilo. And all the fighters. Yes, yes. Shout out to them indeed. Um, William Knight makes me feel the same way. I don't want to know what that means, Matt. Uh, you and your uh, black rifle geese. Oh, my guy, Ben Cohn. Oh, like my, my dude. I, I'm glad you guys are well from the uh, alleged uh, schmojo schmorm. Um, that was kind of funny to see people coming at you, by the way, with the, the things they did. It's a whole different thing to unpack, but if you want to see what I referenced, go follow my guy, um, Benjamin Cohn, uh, fight site. I don't know if it's gonna be on the fight site podcast, Ben, if you're doing that, uh, or if you just want to follow him at BJJ oversimplified for some grappling knowledge, um, would be uh, great. I'm going to read the rest of your guys's, uh, later, later, later. I'm going to get through this cause I don't want to take a break for me. We're an hour in and let's get to the, uh, at least Bellator. Um, uh, I'll skip Amazon reads because I just I went too long. Uh, Bellator 291. Uh, the only thing, uh, let's see what I got here. A lot of good stuff, so I apologize. I'm not going to have um, anything crazy for you guys. So we had uh, Amazon store. Yeah, Carvalho Kennedy. Uh, of course, I'm going to be uh, rooting for uh, Extreme Couture's Jeremy Kennedy, but that should be, you know. Uh, a fun fight. I think uh, Carvalho will bring out the best in Kennedy. I will say that. So hopefully we get a really uh, nice high pace affair there. But yes, I broke down Yaroslav Amazon versus Logan Storley too. A fantastic fight. Um, the first one, big scramble fest, happened in 2020. We're getting the rematch. Uh, all the rematches in the world, right? Um, yeah, I basically... Uh, ended up taking Amazon by a slight decision. I feel like it's dog or pass if you want to take the shot. The over is a little juicy, although I did think about parlaying it with somebody for plus money, but I just, I don't know about that. Especially with my luck, it's going to probably keep me away from it. Um, I was thinking about parlaying them with possibly uh, my co-main event pick, which isn't too much of a surprise for those of you who know me. And the fact that my breakdown for the UFC's co-main event is already out there. But yeah, uh, Storley. Um, got that. Let's see. Uh, but yeah, I don't blame anybody for picking Storley. Reminds me of Daniel Cormier. Counters in combination. Pressure's forward. Small for the division, but his wrestling kind of sees him through. Scrambles, positionally floats well. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take a back, although he's not like an avid back taker per se, but just so good at wrestling to those positions and can really uh, out-wrestle guys, which was something yeah, Amosov found out once he started exchange, extending exchanges. Amosov, really good takedown defense. Also good from the front headlock, and I think all those will still serve him well. 
but I feel like he's just a couple adjustments away from either destroying himself for the later rounds or uh, easily setting himself to be uh, have win conditions. Not easily, but setting himself to, up to succeed if he doesn't sell out for the front chokes because selling out for the front chokes forced him to scramble, which he was good, and he's good from the turtle position. He does some really cool stuff um, that I like. He almost tried to do some, some things that Islam Omarov, guy that I'm really high on, uh, likes to do. Of course, he's a welterweight, a little bigger, uh, and was still able to eventually get safe and clear, but he gave up more than he needed to, expended way more energy than he needed to against Storley doing so to the fact that by the third round, um, Storley started getting some of the better of the scrambles, um, started really getting in uh, better of striking, both because Amosov was tiring and Storley finding his confidence in said realm, um, as opposed to just frantic shots that he was kind of going for early. Since then, Storley showed a lot of striking improvements, and gasting improvements both surprised me in a really surprisingly fun fight. Uh, not really surprisingly fun, was going to be fun against Neiman Gracie. Uh, of course, has a, a different performance altogether, which you can't really blame him. Again, um, Michael Venom Page is just one of those fighters that it's hard to look good against, win or lose. Uh, obviously, loss or getting styled on, you're not going to look good. But even if you beat him, it's, it's kind of hard to look good. Um, you know, I know, uh, obviously, Lima has that highlight and probably should have, you know, if we were going by my guy Ben Cartledge's scorecards, should have got the second one as well. Um, but yeah, hard to look good no matter what is, is something we can all agree on. So I don't know how hard you want to be on Storley for that uh, decision, um, which could have been scored a couple of different ways, but I, I do think they, they did get it right, as boring as it was. Um, so yeah, um, both guys, you know, and then of course Amosov since the fight only had one fight. Obviously, it's been a war with uh, Ukraine. Shouts to Bellator and their promo pieces. Shouts to, again, my guy Nolan King. He's actually getting in the papers, the papers, um, with one of his uh, pieces for um, Amosov Story. That is one of the crappy things about breaking down mechanics. And, I'm again, I'm not a journalist or a hardcore media guy, so it's not as big of a bucket list as, like, still trying to call a fight, which is something I still haven't done. But, like, it is so cool to be in the paper, so I always just, like, love seeing any MMA people that make it over, and usually story people will get that, and Nolan deservedly so. I know the fighters only and, and awards in general are, again, Dan Tom Jerkoff, Jeff, but uh, I do believe Nolan's going to be a future uh, nominee and, and perhaps winner of that category. So I wanted to give my man a shout there. But, um, yeah, uh, Amosov fought Douglas Lima. It wasn't that impressive. It was kind of boring. He fought how he needed to. It wasn't a torrid affair. So even though he proved that he could grapple in victory, in route to victory for five rounds, it wasn't a torrid pace. Um, so despite both guys proving they can grapple for five rounds, they're going to test each other's limits again, which makes it hard to bet aside. Again, uh, plus money or bust, easy to make that argument. Not going to kill you for making it here, believe me. Uh, even though I'm picking Amosov, I'm not going to play it. Even if he was uh, in the minus 150 range that I like, I'm still not sure I would play Amosov. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that is... That is uh, that, that'll be my pick. You know, it's something I noticed too that even Storley getting better countering slash better countering combination, it's still a hard second that he goes. Um, and obviously, he's better about going first, doesn't do it as frequently. Um, still better about doing it to set up his shots as opposed to a lot of the naked shots that he would throw earlier on. Um, whereas Amosov, he already, before he fought Storley and including the Storley fight, which is, which is allowed in punctuate exchanges, is he's good at going first and third for his counters, right? 
uh, Storley will be triggered and counter in combination because he's already pressuring and going forward. And it's not long that you're either going to tag him and circle out or he's going to get in on an entry and build off that combination. One of two things are going to happen, whereas Amosov, he can pressure and go off the back foot. He's a much more flexible striker and flexible in the countering department where he goes first and thirds. So uh, it's able to kind of cut short, uh, in theory, and uh, Storley's uh, returns and punctuate this exchanges both literally between the two and, sadly, more importantly, in the optics for the eyes of the judges, it punctuates those exchanges. So those little things will be the difference. It'll just be some fight IQ moves, uh, I think. And so I'm going to go with um, Amosov by decision. No bets. Don't hate you for playing Storley. Um, don't hate anybody for trying to incorporate the under. But again, uh, even that's getting too way too juicy at this. Or the over. Uh, and again, that's getting way too juicy at this point. Um, going to see if we got any uh, Bellator stuff. Uh, James Krause, are you a fan of Bellator's? Um, manipulative matchmaking, his words, not mine, where all the favorites get team matchups. Uh, Bellator has been much more better about that, and it's been much more competitive as they've grown, so I want to give them credit for moving away from that. And also, and again, you know, shouts to my guy, Rich Chu, um, you know, who, who did a lot for me, reaching out for me to get me back in that Ulta program last year and reinvigorating my uh, love and reminding me where my love lies. Certainly isn't in the betting, uh, it's in the actual doing. Um, so no disrespect to that guy, but again, uh, I'm going to keep that same energy of things I've said in the past where I would just do that, you know, against, of course, with a wink and a nudge as it was then, as it is now, it's all friendly, all love, but as I would call, uh, Rich Chu's old, old, old strike force matchmaking, smash making to your point where you got big favorites. Um, you know, there was, uh, there was something to that, you know, um, I, I like that at least, you know, there, well, it depends. I mean, on, on the prelims. Maybe not paying much better, but you know, you could argue they're at least paying their fighters and trying to get a result in mind, and they're not putting a gun in anybody's head. You know, whereas you see, they don't even care. They're just putting shit matchups that mean nothing. They're not fun from stylistic affairs. They don't mean much in the divisions. Um, it's all, you know, uh, just kind of churning of the mill, puppy mill kind of fighters coming out of the contender series to lower just just because they can get them for cheap. So I don't know, man. I don't know what's better. <laughs> But I will say, um, as fair as that is as a criticism and one that I have also made here, I'm not defending Bellator, I've also made that. I'm just saying that they have gotten better, and that that is that is a fact. Uh, Rain Lamina, Yaroslav Amosov took Oliver Klovov. Oh, Jesus Christ. I am like the Mo from The Simpsons. They keep getting me, folks. Um, uh, all right, uh, guys, I know you're going to hate me for this, but it'll make for a better podcast. I'm just going to use the... Uh, Little boys room. I will be. Uh, I'll be right back. I'm gonna try to get this little graphic up here. Uh, UFC Vegas 70, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Hopefully the audio didn't shake out. Um, doesn't translate too rough. Uh, last thing I'll say on uh, 109. Uh, 40. Uh, 109. Um, last thing I'll say on that is uh. Uh, I'm trying to go to Bellator Hawaii. Um, I won't be the main person from the outlet going because it's not my duties. We'll, we'll be sending someone qualified. Uh, uh, I don't know who. Um, but, you know, I like to go on as an extra. Usually I got to kind of uh, pay my own way and this and that, but it's fine because I go visit and stay with family to save money and make the trip worthwhile in multiple ways, right? 
Um, but yeah, especially with uh, my grandma not doing well, my aunt not doing well. Hopefully, uh, your boy can go back there. Um, and again, uh, it's not my job or whatever, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know how much it would uh, influence. But if you guys want to, you know, tag the uh, you know the junkies, the Bellator, and I hope we get some Dan Tom coverage. And, you know, tagging the appropriate people that never, never hurts. I'll say that it never hurts. Um, my guy James Young in the chat says, "I only play shooters in story mode." One uh, eleven back. Um, in story mode, the real life <laughs> Ronin. <laughs> nice. So you feel me, James? Um, uh, <laughs> all right. Um, da, 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 da. Jeez, I'm trying to get off the serious stuff, but AY says, "Hey Dan, give your thoughts on transgender in MMA." Rogan is apps thinks it absolutely should not be allowed. What say you? Um, regardless if it's Rogan or anybody, I don't know how anybody can be absolute about anything. Uh, they don't understand, and uh, I try my best to understand this game of MMA. Um, so I weigh on uh, in on it, but I would be careful to weigh in, much less be absolute on something I don't understand. Uh, I will say that uh, I have nothing but love for the gay and transgender community and and just kind of, again, when it comes to you know, MMA legislation, answer science, I, I do not have those answers. I do not claim to be. You should be skeptical of anybody who claims to, to but I can say it, it is abhorrent just to see the treatment they get generally in society course that's no better in the MMA sphere which is ironic again just like making fun of people for doing drugs or gambling or basic stuff that you let he who cast the first stone but MMA is a always is a place for weirdos of all tracks of life where we all come and congregate and we enjoy it we compete in it um, and it's just been extremes from all parts of society but we're going to say that this one extreme part um, is fucking evil and no good, but all the it it just it just gets kind of hypocritical, and that's my viewpoint. It doesn't have to be yours. I don't have an absolute viewpoint like Rogan. That's for dang sure. Um, but again, I, I will keep the same energy that I said before in this podcast, which is this is a safe place. This is a safe place for not just degenerate gamblers, not just MMA hardcores, not just technique nerds who love the game, but Anybody from just, you know, Jewish, uh, Palestinian, gay, trans, like, dude, just the fact that you're, like, a discriminated person, I got, you know, I know that's, that's why I get called a lib, because, like, I, God forbid, have sympathy for people who are unfairly maligned and discriminated against in society. I guess that's what a lib is. Like, get the fuck out of here. But, yeah, that's, that's my opinion. I don't think that should really uh, surprise anybody. So, yeah, um, let's get back to uh, Matt Joya. I'm going to be honest. I think Aaron was a really bad matchup for Andrade. Yeah, you know, and perhaps, perhaps, perhaps she was, you know. Um, Andrade was defending the takedowns despite looking stuck in the mud. And, again, i got to rewatch it as far as the striking goes. That's going to be the tough part is we're not going to – it wasn't a reliable sample size. And now everybody who picked against – Blanchfield will be looked at as a hater if we question it. While the other side, you're gonna have people overcorrecting the steering wheel, going, "She's fucking Jesus Christ," uh, which people are already doing. And 
So it's classic. So, you know, uh, but I respect Matt Joy's opinion, by the way. Um, he knows a thing or two about grappling that guy as well. So shouts to Matt. Thanks for being here. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, let's go to the breakdown. 115. All right. Let's get this going. Um, what do we got here? Hey, Benj boy. I know. Good boy. He's still doing good. He's still winning the wrestling matches against his sister. But uh, I just get nervous anytime we got to take him to get checked in. He's my best friend. And uh, people suck and dogs rule. All right. Um, cats are cool, too, by the way. I'm not a hater on cats. I've come around to them. Um, let's go. So shout out to all the cats owners, uh, cat owners out there as well. Yeah, this card is headlined by Nikita Krylov, minus 170, Ryan Spann, plus 145. Just taped this fight before we got on here because I just kind of pushed it aside, to be honest. I got lost in some matches that I wanted to break up, so I was trying to fill out the Southpaw report. And since uh, I did the in-depths over at Bellator this week because their main events are, oddly enough, it's usually when they're going head-to-head, -head, it's usually we're doing UFC for sure. The question is, are we doing Bellator or how much? Now it's the question of, like, Usually it's just like, can I just do my main card quick picks? Does that suffice for this card? Because, you know, the best matches are probably on the prelim anyways. My editors are fine with it. Uh, so Bellator, deservedly so, will get that attention. So, uh, of course, I do write up the co-mains for Action Network from a betting perspective. So that got precedence. I did a full comb tape study there. We'll get to that here in a second. This one did a little bit more select, you know, um, at least their recent three. And then I went and kind of cherry-picked. For certain things, um, for example, you know, this feels like, a, you know, I don't blame anybody for saying dog or pass or like taking a stab on spam by submission. That seems like the way he, he, he wins because Krylov, he's always been more, uh, he, I think he's much more dogged, determined, even though he went harder for the wrestling trends after his first stint with the UFC. He still always had the heavy grappling urgency. This guy was a two th 2013 um, ADCC winner for a specific slash his region uh, master of sports in submission fighting, combat sambo um, kyoshin, kyoshin karate which I know is not submissions uh, more the kicks which won't actually serve him pretty well against Span because Span doesn't necessarily have the best kick defense um, traditionally although you know there are some counters which we're going to hold that note for um yeah, Krylov definitely more, you know, more of a gas tank, more of a urgency, a dogged to get after it, both of the takedown or individual instance or overall throughout a fight. Even though he doesn't have that many uh, decisions going, you know, um, in his credit, um, I don't even think it's a lack of cardio. If you look at his fights and his 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 personality, his style, all those things, they all kind of correlate in a lot of ways. I believe, at least. I'm of that mind. Not always. Like, there is no hard and fast rules. Anybody's telling you is bullshit. You know, another reason why I hate the, you know... Because that's that's true in MMA, whether we're talking about technique, especially betting, which is another reason why, like, people on a hot streak and they start trying to, like, hold court and shit. Like, the fuck do you know? It's fucking luck. Again, another reason why... I, I, probably the only reason at this point, especially since I'm dead inside and no longer can feel the win wins um another reason why i kind of want to win just to remind people how it's fucking done and how to, you just how to fucking be you know humble and act like you've been there before and move on to the next um 
which is like lost and very few people do. Shouts to people that do. Obviously, I'm not speaking about everybody, right? But let's be honest, it's a majority of the attitude that is replicated and appreciated in the betting space. Um, but yeah, it was Krylov's um, like fight IQ and, and, and those things, right? Um, his decision making. Uh, and and it's funny because you will still you will still see him um, even though he makes you know better decisions and slightly and has better technique and has better things to support these things so he's not so susceptible to falling apart and he can fight later on in a fight because um, he's also had good recoverability we saw that in Ozemir fight but that I went back to read my like Francis Bahos breakdown back on mixedmartialanalyst.com the site that hosts this here podcast for the click throughs that. Uh, I kind of skipped and don't deserve to read through, though I appreciate those of you guys, and I will give you credit who did eventually uh, when I get time and don't fucking run on uh, with my emotions uh, here. Um, but, like, um, but yeah, like, uh, we got a... What was I saying? Fuck. Um, yeah, it's it's his, it's his, it's his fight IQ. Even, like, a, in a you know uh, interview he did with uh, Unfiltered. By the way, speaking of people... Just, I love those guys. I love Sarah and I love Jim Norton. Uh, but like, again, like just questions that not even any research, right? Somebody who did, actually did that job. So I'm, I'm, I'm not talking out of school. Um, not even just not clearly not researching the guests you're interviewing, but like real simple shit, like not even aware Tatiana Suarez had cancer, like any of these. It's so embarrassing. It's just like, do you guys even like, you might as well start off their interviews, like going, so what do you do? Are you a, I'm guessing you're a fighter. Why are you on here? Like they might that that is the level of of uh, anyways. Uh, the point is Matt Sarah was asking Krylov, who apparently had like a black guy going on in the interview, which is again troublesome because I, you can see a, a a photo of him not but a week ago. He's already in Vegas early, getting acclimated to the PI, which looks good. Krylov is, but no black guy there. Um, I talk fast. Sorry, Aaron Bronstead, are you still able to listen on uh, 1.5 speeds when it comes to my podcast? But um. So not only that, it's like, bro, are you doing shit like in the last week to cause you to get a black eye? And even like Sarah kind of alluded to that, asking him. And Krylov through translator, granted. But again, just it kind of is part and parcel. It's par for the course with this guy if you've been following him. His answer was, uh, oh, well, uh, no, I didn't get hit with anything. It was my head that ran into the punch. And sometimes those things happen and something, something else. In other words... I know it's through translation, different cultures. I did not get that he was making a joke there. I think that's just how Nikita Krylov thinks. Like, I didn't get hit. My head ran into the punch. Like, well, that makes it all the better. It totally explains why you're doing shit um, like that uh, a week out. Um, or maybe they weren't sparring and it just they just weren't careful, right? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, So it's like, that's what you got to worry about. But then again, Ryan Spann, we've seen him get hurt or hurt guys and then guys hurt him. He's usually, you don't really see him uh, get hurt and, and, and come back like Krylov does as much. Um, not only have we not seen him go decision or deep into the fights as Krylov, but when you look at the way he fights, it's kind of hard to see that with both the wildness and aggression that's, that Span can fight with at times. Again, he's got a great coach, Safe Sayu, who's really coaching him and trying to focus him down. Um, but like... Uh, but yeah, like, or, you know, then even there's this, a stamina issue, whether he's doing good or bad, like there's stamina that, that, that goes right. Um, his wrestling, not only the, not as much stamina and urgency as Krylov does with his wrestling, 
Um, I would argue that the technique is, if anything, at a similar level, but not better, right? Than Krylov's wrestling. And you look at it like, yeah, just like even when he hurts guys, and Krylov will do this too sometimes. He did this in the Ozdemir fight. Um, but again, he's shown he has the cardio to keep doing it. And if against a guy, a suspect cardio, this doesn't become as bad of a move. But yes, Ryan Spann uh, will do the thing where he'll hurt somebody and maybe go for the takedown. Or, you know, like we, we, we've seen that. And again, oh, Krylov's done that too. But I'm, I'm just saying you could arguably be better suited to do it in general and specifically for this matchup. So, um, I'm actually going to take uh, Krylov um, to get it done in, in round two or round three. I would love, like, lines on that. I'm sure a house offers that that I don't play at. Um, but even the round two pop at, like, plus 600, I don't know if I want to play that. Like, if I'm, if miraculously I'm up, and I don't know why I would want to add, because that's not my style, especially, like, the fact of like the way that things have been going for me like why, why would I do that but yeah like maybe I throw a little sprinkle there I don't blame you if you're sprinkling on the dog or like spam by submission at nearly the same odds around plus 500 um, but yeah I, I just think that uh, Krylov's going to wrestle him now the counters that I mentioned earlier could be problematic because Krylov does the thing where I forget who, who does it but I break this down all the time uh, and I'll reference I'll make references as old as Leoto Machida Evans UFC 96 or 7 where they'll do the power kick uh, whether it's from southpaw or orthodox, you, you, you power kick from your power side and to counterbalance, you fire off the cross. As your foot comes down, you fire your punch forward off of that same side. It's a counterbalance. It offers a kind of a cheeky shot there. Um, Krylov spams those, and I get why, because he consistently seems to hurt guys with it, but he also leaves them open for counters, which is how he kept getting um, you know, his dick knocked in the dirt by Uzdemir in that first round. Uh Span again doesn't have the best kick defense, but you did see some really well timed uh, sit down one twos in his Reyes fight when Reyes would throw some kicks toward the end there. Now Reyes was already hurt and was already countered off punches previously from Span, but um, <clears throat> Span does have that. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have as much of a catalog or sample size, and even some of the fights that he wins, like the cute lava fight, he's not necessarily winning up until he wins either. So it's just hard for me to have confidence in Span, even though I'm a big fan of his team. And then Span does the typical light heavyweight, or should I say now heavyweight thing, since Gon is doing it, and Jones, who'd said this at light heavyweight, is fighting Gon at heavyweight, um, doing the light heavyweight slash heavyweight thing of, oh, I don't need to train. Because it just shows like how, again, like someone was making this previous point, like how weak some of these divisions are, where you can, like through the generations, have these notable title challengers and champions alike just notably not trained like like that's why BJ Penn was so crazy um and even looked up to even at the time where he was admitting that he barely trained he was eating you know he was training 30 minutes a day and eating McDonald's in the lead up to beating a dominant uh Matt Hughes pound for pound uh a great at the time in, in the rankings as far as that went you know back at UFC 46 um you know it, but those were just rare cases even and again it had to be a rare dude like bj in an era back then like especially modern day like who can get away with that like you only hear about it from the bigger divisions which again is just like 
just makes me even feel more for the lighter weight classes who have to work that much harder and to be that much better for their weight class and in turn give us that much better of a product and just can't get the fucking rewards for it, right? You know, where have all the lightweights gone? They've been, they, they're in the Bellator lightweight Grand, Grand Prix. That's where they're, that's where they're at, you know? But anyways, um, yeah, I'm going to pick uh, Krylov there, round two. Seven, and all right, we got uh, Andre Muniz minus two hundred five. Uh, Brendan Allen Allen plus one seventy five. Um, yeah, I went through their whole UFC comb here uh, to really get a good a good idea on these guys. And um, yeah, I ended up sticking with Muniz, which shouldn't be a, um, a mystery considering you know again, Muniz been a money train for me, so I have cashed on him. So I'm not going to complain there. But if this guy continues to do good. Um, this was a guy I was warning people about, you know. Um, there's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts and there's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. There's a difference. He's one of the ones where you should really, even if you're someone who discounts the BJJ black belt thing, you should have with Muniz. He's a legit third Dan uh, BJJ black belt. Still actively competing and even killing his own students and his own grappling team. He competes against them if he has to to win first, like he recently still did. Um, his wrestling is a bit awkward, but does some high-level trips and stuff um, uh, that are a little more judo, uh, judo-like for, for me. Uh, Cormier sees him and respects him. But yes, um, certainly not the most bulletproof wrestler and certainly has to do uh, a lot of the wrestling in the first two rounds. Otherwise, it feels like it's more Damian Maia-style guard-pull, guard-attack, which optically looks bad, but he actually has a lot of chains. He's one of the few guys who can fight off their back, who can give negative position with the bigger thing in mind. And really, I think he gets a lot of bad rap for the Antonio Arroyo fight, and which didn't age well. But you have to keep in mind that was the man's UFC debut, and it was at Elevation. And he still won a decision, you know, in a bad performance that where he can't get his move going, moves going, I should say. Um, something else I noticed was that, uh, you know, and again, it's just he's just super opportunistic with his armbar, and he just needs this over the shoulder, like an, not even overhook, but like yeah, it's like an overhook um, isolation. It's an overhook shoulder isolation. He just needs some variation. Like I like, um, what's it called? What does Neil call it? Coach call it? Oh my god, I can't even think of it now. Um, there's rubber guard, but there's what, what's it called? Uh, shoulder pin guard, yeah. Uh, which I like, where you were kind of you actually uh, you overhook over their shoulder. If someone's in your guard, you're on. I'm on the bottom. Someone's on top of me, um, and they, you know, whether it's an overhook or a Kimura uh, commitment mistake where they they place the hand on the mat, um, kind of a deal. Uh, I like bringing, like if I'm going to isolate on the right side, I'll bring my right knee high under their armpit and I'll overhook over their right shoulder on that same side. And then I'll, uh, if this is my leg, I'm like hooking my arm under my own leg. I'm using a three finger grip, not a two, uh, not a palm to palm. I'm going to go three finger so I can really drive uh, sternum into the elbow while this hand overhooks. You can, depending on what hip you're on, you can attack uh, triangles and arm bars and such like that. Um, and really, you know, get that. Like, he doesn't even have to be that involved. Like, he doesn't need the looping through the leg. He just needs, a, he just needs, like, if this is the top of your knee, this is the overhook and, like, his elbow-ish area. Like, he just really needs kind of that, that, that basic isolation. And he's already at his angle. Um, and he's got you deep. 
So these are these are very specific things that Allen's gonna have to be training for and be prepared for. Not that I'm saying he can't, just very difficult. Um, Allen is six and two against UFC level southpaws, and that's kind of deceptive because he does pretty well against striking. You know, he does. I know. You know, maybe he hasn't aged well because Puna hasn't had a lot of success as of late, unfortunately for him, right? But he outstrikes him in a match where he's in with the superior and definitely the more dangerous striker, right? Spams those body shots. But again, even for Soriano, that was still one of his more suspect performances, um, even with his work as of late, right? Uh, I feel like that's kind enough and fair enough to say, right? Um, you know, uh, but then again, you know, again, to give Allen credit too, you look at his fight with, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, Chris Curtis even, like, and Chris Curtis gave him credit after the fact. Like, he's like, you had some good, you know, it, both during the match and after the match, even Chris Curtis was giving him credit. Because even though he got uh, TKO'd in that fight and finished, right, along the fence where both of the uh, Brendan Allen's finishes can be, uh, came in that apex cage, by the way, both of his UFC losses, um, which happened to be by finish. But he, he did he did pretty good against Chris Curtis. Like, he was actually, like, throwing jabs, those body kicks, feints, um, really good feints. Allen does. Really improved his fundamentals under Henry Hoof. You know, I will say that I think he strikes well with southpaws. Like, he was getting countered by Alvi more than people probably remember uh, in that first round. But again, Alvi is also a better counter striker than given credit for, um, which sounds crazy because with the streak that that guy had been on and how familiar we've been with him, where we just felt like we were always seeing him at a certain point. But it is true. The guy was a much better counter striker and clinch wrestler than given credit for, which made it somewhat of a tricky matchup, which is why I picked Allen, but probably stayed away of the inflated odds because he was going into that one last minute too. It was like a light heavyweight. Allen wasn't in the greatest shape, right? But he, he still he still gets it done. Um, but here's the thing is cage positioning, right? Both of his losses, which are happen to be both of his stoppage losses there in the UFC at least, come from bad bad cage positioning. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to hold the Trevin Giles one, even though I watched that, and I think Giles hit him against the cage a bunch too to set up the uh, RNC. That really shouldn't have been an RNC. Like, the fight should have just been stopped way before that if you go all the way back to the LFC uh, 52 fight where he lost by submission. I believe that's Allen's only submission loss. But yeah, his two relevant losses, his two UFC losses, his two other stoppage losses come against the cage in the UFC Apex. And again, aside from Sam Alvey, who lives with his back to the cage, right? Um, and stuff like that. Like, he looks like he is better about, it has more tools to take initiative, but it still doesn't take a lot to get Allen to kind of go toward the back of the fence. And you guys know I'm a big person on cage positioning analysis, and cage positioning analysis usually stands holds fairly well. Uh, also, um, grappling analysis. I noticed that Allen, not as much as wrestling has gotten better, but you still see him wanting to go for guillotines, I believe as late as possibly the Malcoon fight, maybe even the Curtis fight. I know definitely as late as the Curtis fight, possibly even the Malcoon fight as well, but definitely the Curtis fight, also a bad habit of dropping for leg locks. It got him cut open against Kevin Holland, who he still won because Kevin Holland gassed it with short notice. Um, but he gave up really bad positions there. Gave up bad positions to Chris Curtis. Ended up eating a bunch of elbows at the end of round one. Despite having an initial inside heel hook bite that he really couldn't make hay off of. Um, again, these are bad things you want to do against a guy who uh, has, has that game over grappling that we talk about. Not just game over grappling, but game over grappling that serves as kryptonite throughout the divisions. When we're talking about middleweights and upward.
Um, and, you know, a lot of Muniz is from back control, a lot of his stuff, right? That's when it's really game over for him a lot of the times. And if you look at it, Malkoon arguably gets close back controls, even though not full. You could really, like, split hairs. But the fact is that not just guillotines, not just leg locks, but another habit, grappling habit Allen has is he will give back exposures and scrambles, and he's really good at it. He has a knack, in fact, I'll credit Allen for, for reversing bad positions. But again, you d do you really want to play with fire when it comes to third-degree black belts with the game over submission game, right? Um, Yatko, uh, there is meaningful grappling. He gets a nice reversal. He owns him there, doesn't doesn't give his back away. No real grappling against Alvi. Um, again, Curtis, the grappling that does happen, he briefly gets a back, but outside of that, his choices are, you know, arguably getting punished against Curtis. No grappling against Puna Soriano, doesn't decide to grapple there. Um, Carl Robertson, Robertson was, you know, uh, he decides to grapple with Robertson, initiates it, sure, but it was kind of Robertson doing the reinitiation as opposed to the non-defending that gets him the win there. And again, I and many picked him to win by sub. Anyways, Sean Strickland, he gives up his, he gives so much back exposure in this fight that Strickland, who's not a jiu-jitsu guy, self-admittedly, he even puts a single hook in. Now, does he come close to taking the back? No. But again, does he even really want to? No, because it doesn't look like it, nor does it, is that Strickland's real, uh, is that really his MO, at least in these latter years, right? And he gave it so badly that even Strickland thought about it. And now what Strickland did instead was use it to score punches were along the fence where he eventually got that finish. Um, Dawkus, again, bad bad cage positioning. Kyle Dawkus gets to his back. Tom Breeze nearly gets to his back twice, but he gets so excited with it that he loses it both times. Holland gets to his back. Uh, again, any of these fights with meaningful grappling, he's giving up back position. He's giving up takedowns for guillotines. And he's giving up ground strikes in crucial positions for leg locks. Like, it's pretty sporadic. It's enough to be a justified habit. Albeit improved, there are still some deep-rooted habits there. Plus with the habits of cage positioning. Plus the fact that, you know, I think you really got to go to this LFA fight, you know, uh, unless you, you know, count him, like, dropping, uh, you know, uh, Soriano or Kyle Dawkins with that uh, double-collar tiny. Um, you got to go back to his regional fight scene to see some, like, one-stop power not that he doesn't have it but again you really that's really got to be the kryptonite for muniz smart decisions good wrestling good counter striking knockout power and i don't know how many of those is brendan allen so maybe i'm talking myself into getting toward the money line uh, but i didn't quite make it i took muniz by sub at three quarter units for a unit return um and then i took uh round two sub at plus 600 for 0.17 u uh, of course, that returns well over a unit if that hits. Um, thought about parlaying Muniz with the over four and a half uh, Amosov and Storley for plus money. Kick for coverage each way because Muniz could win a decision here. That you know, uh, Brandon Allen again outside of that Jay Giles time that I explained, he really hasn't been subbed. He's a black belt himself for what that's worth. Trains with high level guys for what that's worth. Um. So I could come up empty even though having the right guy and having the analysis. So we'll see if I do anything with the Muniz money line. But right now, that's all I got. Um, let's go. Liam fight picks. Muniz by sub. Sharp, in my opinion. I feel much better if you're saying that, Liam, as a guy who wrestles and grapples and does submissions himself, my friend. Um, all right. Uh, 
let's see, we got Augusto Sakai minus 135, Dante Mays plus 115. Again, death taxes and low-level heavyweight fights, uh, fat, sweaty heavyweight fights on uh, on main cards. Um, and, you know, I'm seeing a bunch of people post about this fight, and I'm like, why are we even betting this fight? Classic MMA gambling Twitter. We're all going to fucking get all up in arms and contentious about fights that we really shouldn't be fucking betting on and giving it attention to as a viewer, much less betting on. But of course, those are the fights, the volatile fights we're going to bet on. And if those cash, instead of counting our graces and just being lucky, being grateful, and maybe, God forbid, moving on to the next... No, we got we to gotta toot our own horn. Talk about I told you so. Oh, another reason why I, I absolutely love MMA Gambling Twitter, as you guys can clearly tell. Um, that being said, uh, minus 135 is a good line on Sakai, in my opinion, without even researching this matchup. Again, I haven't researched it yet. I do got to look into this fight. I'm not looking into betting it, so I didn't research it as far as making a cut for the podcast, but I will have to research it by tomorrow when I re... Uh, when I... Uh, oh, man, smelly man. When I uh, do my main card write-up and submit it for fight day, right? Do it on Friday. It comes up on fight day. Um, look inside the process there. Uh, but that being said, I man, even though I missed the plus money boat on Sakai, because again, you know, you closing line people, it's like, oh, you bastards, really killing my betting enthusiasm. So jealous of you guys. Um, but yeah, uh, it, you know, I missed the plus money, but I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Sakai is not uh, at the level of uh, Maze. I don't think Maze is going to be able to. Just take down trends that I can remember are going to be able to uh, outlast Sakai. Um, whereas grappling savvy, Sakai's like a legit brown belt. You have to be like legit Sergey Spivak. You know, again, um, I was silly for you know uh, for picking Spivak in that spot, and that aged well, right, with the round two there. But now, now Spivak's getting the credit, even though I was wrong about Spivak's last last one. But uh. Again, just because I'm wrong on the, that that Spivak one or this Blanchfield one doesn't mean I wasn't absolutely respecting, even picking, even cashing on the fighters prior. It's just, it's a matchup game and you take your shots, folks. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't bet this fight, so I probably won't. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Sakai for what that's worth. Um, this fight, I definitely did the research on because it was a part of the Southpaw Report. And even though it's ridiculous inflated lines... I don't even want to say by the CLV crowd because the odd setters opened it at minus 700, so it really has only gone up 50 cents, which I'm assuming are just solely parlays. And in that case, really hasn't gone up a lot. Um, but yeah, you got uh, Tatiana Suarez minus 750, uh, Montana De La Rosa plus 550. I love Montana De La Rosa, man. I just feel bad that she always gets in these spots, you know? And she is tough and more tougher than she gets credit for. She's more technical and more fundamentally sound than giving credit for. And I love that. I'm all about that. Um, you know, she's trying to get goofy there on her Instagram, doing like an Australian accent. And it was, it was a bit awkward, but I fucking love it, man. I love a girl that can get goofy like that, you know? Um, you know, she's uh, it looks like she's a good mom. Um... Uh, you know, she, she's got her short king, Mark De La Rosa there. Shouts to him. Um, I'm not a, you know, even though I feel like I've got that short king energy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, I'm 5'9", I'm average. Uh, although, I don't know, no, no, I'm not average anymore, not since Tinder was invented. I am now short. 5'9", uh, <laughs> but, uh, which is fine. But uh, I, I'm not too far off from my short kings there, I guess, so I've got love for them. 
Um, damn, break down the fight. But yeah, I'm just trying to say that I got love for Montella de la Rosa. I just, I just hate this spot for her. I really do. And I'm kind of surprised. Maybe she's not getting dissed as the odds would expect because I was like, why is it plus 110 for inside the distance Tatiana Suarez? And I go research it fully expecting that, again, I'm like, oh, there's no way the CLV boys missed that. It'll probably, with my luck, it'll be you know, even money or minus money by the time I finish my research. Because, you know, Dan got to do due diligence because that matters, right? Um, but I do my due diligence and I'm pretty confident in it. And the line actually imp improved plus 115 inside the distance. So I took that. Uh, Tatiana Suarez, a whole unit for plus 115. And I also played round three plus 1,000, 0.17 U, baby. Um, I found that number uh, at BetMGM. Uh, not as good of a number um, on the Bet Online houses that I play at. Um, but yeah, basic basically is that even though Montana De La Rosa can take a lot of damage, like she shouldn't be taking a lot of damage in some of these fights. Like uh, you know, we watched a fight against Southpaw. You know, she's one and zero against UFC level Southpaws. Nadia Kasim. Obviously, you know that doesn't represent the tough matchup. Uh, against Nico Montano where she lost in the house, but that's also the tough house. And again, Southpaw refers to mainly stance dynamics of striking when this one's obviously going to hinge like most Tatiana Suarez fights on the grappling. But in that Southpaw sample, when you go to the Nico Montano fight, it's really sim similar to the Myra Buenasova, a fight that I can't believe. How did I not cash Myra Buenasova in that fight? Like, she beat the piss out of her. I know she got the stupid point deduction or whatever, right? But like, how... Remind me how that fight was not. How did I lose that bet? Because um, it, it, it's three rounds worth. Where like sh I don't know if Montana really should have been subjected to that. And if I do lose the bet, it's going to be unfortunately someone who I like, Montana De La Rosa, who doesn't show damage very well, folks. Um, she's going to be all blown up, and it's going to be a fight that probably shouldn't have been stopped, but they don't stop it, right? Um, that's probably how uh, I, I will lose uh, this bet. But. Suspect scores and suspect non-stoppages, which aren't really that suspect, sadly, because they just don't happen in this sport. Um, aside, if you really look at it, aside from the damage that she takes, this and that, um, Montella, I keep thinking she's a former straw weight because she, she has that energy when she fights where, again, she's more tougher than giving credit for, she's more technical than giving credit for, more, more fundamentally sound than giving credit for, Montana De La Rosa. But she, when she's seeing her against these flyweights in her UFC sample size fights it I get the feeling that it feels like I'm watching a straw weight who moved up in an ill-advised moved up and is just getting muscled around to the point where she is just exhausted and not even because I suspect she has bad cardio because I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't I didn't then I don't now but it just looks so physically outmatched that she is just exhausted by the time round three comes around um in these fights and she's taking damage and wearing it too so part of me was just like, oh my god! And you know, you look at like what Tatiana Suarez was able to do, Carla Sparza. I know you're like, oh, but you know, she went to decision with Viviana Pereira and um, Nina Ansaroff. Nina Ansaroff fight much more excusable. She went into that fight injured. I don't even know how much we should really take off of that. Not only you know was it off the layoff before she made the camp change to Extreme Couture, which is the big wild card here. Um, she was injured in that fight, and Ansaroff again. You want to talk about fighters? more tougher, more technically sound, more fundamentally sound, even better grappler and defensive grappler than given credit for. Um, that's Nina Ansarov. And I know it didn't age well after that fight when she comes back after a long layoff and fights Mackenzie Dern, who actually decides to go for a single leg for once in her life. Like, again, 
you really got to take that answer off sample size with a grain of salt. Um, the Viviani Pereira sample size, that's early on in her UFC career. She was really disappointed. And again, there could have been stuff that we, A, that we don't know about that fight. And B, again, despite sounding like I'm crying over spit milk, as somebody who was preaching and, and waving the Aaron Blanchfield flag as far as like defending her from criticism despite not picking her, which was people saying, oh, Blanchfield went decision with so-and-so and so-and-so. And I was pointing out the fact that Blanchfield almost, her process is so solid that yeah, she went to decision, but if you look at it, she was almost getting finishes at the very end of the rounds. You could argue the opponents were saved by the bell. Not as clear as a Blanchfield example there, but it was kind of similar theme when you go watch that. Like She was really going for it. I think she finishes the end of round three with a nearly armbar locked in, and she's like pissed at herself that she didn't get the finish, you know? And now she's training with, you know, she's she's in a, a really good camp, good headspace, good relationship with Patchy Mix, who it's like, man, uh, what a what a super couple that is, right? Like, especially for her style, like, uh, they're they're just they're both just like insane wrestling, getting to the back, getting the dominant position, making opponents' life miserable. Slightly different style, but a lot of similar thematic choices. And she's working, you know, again with a, a gym like Extreme Couture. Um, getting grappling rounds in around town, 10th Planet, um, working with a lot of uh, female pros, male pros, um, you know, just... Uh, I'm not in her business, nor do I try to be or play the inside information game. Again, that's not my style here, folks. But yeah, everything I've seen or heard has been good, so it's like, surprise, surprise, minus 750, right? I'm not telling you anything crazy there. But yeah, for these reasons, and even with the technical intricacies, like... Uh, it's one of those things like Montana De La Rosa's coaches. She coaches her her daughter's wrestling coach, uh, you know, as well. But the, her accolades aren't aren't the same as what Suarez was, and the physicality and the style. I, I think she can know that Suarez favors that single leg all day, and I don't know if uh, it's gonna matter because uh, another thing that Suarez does really well um, is she grabs wrists a lot, which hence again more the reason why she would get the Khabib comparisons. Right, uh, she grabs, she fights wrists a lot, and something I noticed even just in uh, Montana De La Rosa's last fight with Macy Barber uh, was that not only obviously Montana De La Rosa can get stuck up against the fence and can get stuck into these clinch wars and all these ugly fights that's going to suit Suarez, but like every at least once around in every round, she, it, they weren't even that clever of wrist grips, but she allowed Barber to grab her wrists in multiple different ways and get off strikes, both standing in the clinch and on the floor in every round. Like, if you're going to let Barber grab your wrists and hit you, like, that's bad news if you're, if you're fighting Tatiana Suarez. So I essentially think that it's too hard to pick a TKO or submission if you do think Suarez is going to get the stoppage, which is, again, why I'm surprised inside the distance isn't gotten hammered more. Um, but I think that she's going to have to, I think it's going to get to the point where she forces a stoppage, you know. Um, Montana isn't even training at elevation for this one. It doesn't look like, she looks like she's been back at home training at Texas for this one, not up at Factory X, not in elevation. Maybe I'm wrong, just what's, what's showing on her Instagram where she's pretty active. So uh, she looks like she's back home in Texas. So yeah, give me Suarez, one unit inside the distance, plus 115. And... Um, Round three plus one thousand. Um, and one fifty one Suarez. And 
Um, yeah, I'll try to go through the rest of these fast. I don't know why Mike Malott, minus 215, and Johan Linus, plus 185 is on the main card, but it is, and I'll have to watch tape on that because I'll have to write it up. Um, and I'm hoping they don't go back to six-fight main cards. I hope Tapology is wrong and the UFC is right, which I'm guessing the UFC is right because they should be. It's their organization. And B, um, if they did a six-fight card, it means they would be opening it in the lightweight division, and you know they don't like to do that unless they have to. I mean, we were lucky we even got Jim Miller and Alexander Hernandez to open up the card the other week, and that uh, and that was, you know, a no-brainer and an injury. Unfortunately, probably caused that, let's be honest. Um, but, yeah, we got Ghost Pepper Gonzalez, plus 160, Trevor Peak, minus 198. No clue to either of these fighters. We'll see if I even get around to it. Uh, I did look at this one. I uh, was answering my guy Garrett Kerman's uh, on the Southpaw Report, and I believe it was only one with meat on it because I don't think the other Southpaws... Um, Dance partners have the UFC level experience. There'll be much to say. Though you could say the same thing about this. And there was stuff to say, which is Jasmine Jezdevisius, um, who is plus 105. Gabriela Fernandez, minus 125. Gabriela's a southpaw who opened as a dog and is taking this fight on short notice. Again, short notice fight, but, it, you know, it went from, oh, sharp being on short notice, or... Now, then it was sharp for betting against short notice, you dummy, all of a sudden, right? Like like last week with Andrade Blanchfield. Now we're back to, you know, sharp is betting on the short notice fighter again. Now it's not seven days short notice. It's only three to four weeks short notice. And Gabrielle Fernandez does look like she keeps herself in decent shape. But this girl hadn't even fought on Contender Series. I know she's an LFA champ, but you look at those uh, those two fight fighters who she, be she beat and their records and who they fought and the fact that they fought each other and they all built their record off this little really kind of broken bad circuit. Um, I don't know how valuable that is, especially not just the fact that you could throw shade at said sample size of circuit regardless of a win-loss record, but the fact that regardless of the level of said opponent, we don't have a sample size of her shooting a shot, which again... Say what you will about Montana De La Rosa or say what you will about Jasmine Jazzadavisius, Canada, USA, women's level, whatever you want to throw, there are still very few women that have actual wrestling credentials that came up uh, doing it and can do it somewhat competently. And Jazzadavisius, is she a world beater in that department? Will she be a world beater, uh, a top 10, a top 5? I'm definitely not uh, trying to say any of that, but can she competently shoot takedowns? Has she been there before? Is she an athlete and is she physical? Yes, she is. Now, she may like usually use that to her advantage, and she's not going to have that. She's only going to have about an inch in the height ed edge. You know, uh, it's pretty going to be a practically even size parity with. Um, Gabriela Fernandez being the more athletic specimen, right? And again, maybe that's it. You know how my betters are. Young fighter, striker, athlete, older person. Oh, they can't handle themselves, you know? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, death taxes and MMA gamblers just fading the older faces, right? Um, but again, with the way that this opened, like, it opened... Uh, not that it should be anybody should be widely favored or anything, but, like, I felt like the line was respectable, and yet all this money comes in to push um, Gabriela Fernandez all the way to a minus 125. Again, this is probably another classic MMA uh, Twitter, uh, you know, MMA gambling Twitter shit where everybody's arguing fucking before the fact when really none of y'all should really be placing money on this. And then if Gabriela does win, of course, everybody's going to be like, I tell you so, sharp bet, got it plus money, beat the line, CFV, ha, ha. Oh, 
what a joy that must be. Anyways, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna. So for that reason, um, short notice. I'm gonna pick the fighter who's not on short notice. I'm gonna pick the fighter who trains uh, with uh, actual UFC level fighters at a major camp like American Top Team. I'm gonna pick the grappler like I have been and got away from. Um, during this Bevic Lewis fight night that really fucked me up. I'm going to stick to my trend here, if you guys notice. I'm picking dominant grapplers in the small cage, right? I could lose my bets, and that's probably a very likely possibility with how I bet. But again, folks, I'm taking the dominant grapplers in the small cage. And now, gentlemen, Jazz Divisius, even though that plus number is tempting, and I would love to take it just so you know I could cash it and rub it in the faces of all the motherfuckers who rub all these stupid fights that you shouldn't be betting in and on, but I would be an outright hypocrite. And I definitely don't have the juju or the luck to take those shots. So I'm not, but I am, again, I am going to pick that fighter. And no offense, and I know I, I don't like the, oh, oh, oh dodge that, or making, or making people feel bad in any way. I'm one of the few guys that, even when I'm excited, I'll, I'll still include in the victory tweet that I hope the other person's okay, and I don't victory lap further than that, or anything like that, that any of that bullshit. Like, yeah, like, sorry, I don't know where I'm going with this, but like, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to pick Jasmine Jezza Divisius, and uh, I will be happy if she wins just because that shit shouldn't be rewarded you should not be again I know I was wrong on all these examples but I'm going back to sticking on my guns against you should not be super confident on short notice fighters um and what's already a volatile sport and I, I'm, I, I hate seeing this shit rewarded uh and I like what I saw from Gabrielle Fernandez but we, we don't know what she's she's got on the ground and when she was on the ground um I didn't like it she looked Frustrated by not very good or very big fighters after not very long on the ground. And the only way she was able to get up by was going for a sloppy heel hook off of half guard, which is one of my go-tos, but it just didn't look good. It didn't look confident. It didn't look like high percentage. I didn't like any of the other things. Um, she's a real athlete. She surfs. She comes from Taekwondo, so she's got really good leg dexterity, which means she would rather re-guard than actually get up. Um, I didn't see any get-ups. I didn't see... Any takedown defense, she has good footwork that may keep her out of range. But again, she's in the small cage here. Like, I feel like I feel like Jazz just has to to wrestle. I'm not that impressed with her. She did have a propensity back to the southpaw report to get hit with counter jabs from Elise Reed, counter lefts from Kay Hansen, left kicks, um, left kicks from Natalia Silva. Um, so all these things are present. So maybe from a southpaw, does that translate? We'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm not gonna bet on it. But uh, I'm going to pick uh, Jasmine Jezdavisius to grind her way to a decision. Um, Jordan Levitt is a southpaw, minus 105. Um, Victor Martinez, minus 115. Levitt, did he open as the favorite? I'm trying to find out if these things will even uh, pop up for me. Um, of course, it's going to be in the pain in the ass, not pop up when I need it. Um, but Victor Martinez, uh, I don't believe, has any experience against UFC-level southpaws. So... I don't even think it matters. Let's see. Let me go. I already s scanned through his record once, I believe. I didn't see anything there. Um, I don't know if Jacob Rosales was a southpaw. I have to go back and look at that. He was scheduled to fight Tech. Let's will switch his stance, but primarily an orthodox fighter. And, um, yeah, a lot of red on this record. Is he short notice? I'm guessing he was short notice. Uh, wow, they tried to make this fight a few times. Martinez withdrew the first time. Maybe they're really trying to get Levitt a win after, t you know, uh, doing them a solid with uh, the Patty fight or whatnot. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I'll take I'll, I'll take Levitt. I don't know if people are fading him because again, that's a fighter that people like to make fun of. I don't even know Levitt. He actually beat a friend of mine in the amateurs, uh, Tyler Noss, old training partner of mine. But yeah, I don't know. People always give that guy like stupid shit too. All right, next fight. Um, we got uh, Southpaw Ode Osborne plus one forty-five. Charles Johnson, despite stepping in on short notice, um, is the favorite. Let's see if he opened that way. Levitt was minus one twenty-five, but again, are people fading him because there's something stylistic there, or are they fading Jordan Levitt because he's effeminate and that's he's effeminate in their eyes and that's fucking hilarious? Apparently, I don't know. You tell me. I, I'll, I don't know if I'll get to that matchup. Charles Johnson, he, uh, you gotta look. I still haven't looked at his UFC level southpaw experience. I don't believe he has any, unless Muhammad Makaev fights from a southpaw stance. Even if he does, which I'm not sure he does, obviously that fight was mainly spent with Makaev pushing him against the fence. So I'm not sure what we can get from that. Zhaukashu Magulov, who, again, I thought won. Um, I'm gonna have to go through the pain of watching that again, I guess. Maybe we'll see if I do. But it will be worth doing so because Zhaogas will occasionally fight from Southpaw and switch his stance as well, folks. So that's what I will be looking for. The Jimmy Flick fight didn't last long, ended on the ground, ended prematurely, arguably, but of course that was on round two, of course. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I don't think Jimmy Flick was a Southpaw, nor does it matter. Um, I went back to watch his fight again for like the umpteen time with Carlos Moda. Uh, who was not a southpaw. And uh, Royval, oh, he did fight a southpaw. Royval, he lost to. So, yeah, he is... Uh, so I just got to see if anything outside of the Royval fight, in other words, um, as far as being 0-1 to UFC-level southpaws. Um, you know, he did fight uh, Jose Johnson um, in the amateurs, who was scheduled for a UFC fight that didn't happen. And fought on Contender Series, but I'm pretty sure that guy was an Orthodox fighter too. Even though that's already a hell of a stretch to try to include that. Um, let's see what he opened as. I, I'll probably side with uh, Charles Johnson anyways. Lean, for sure. Um, we'll see where I end up, but yeah. Curious where, uh, where that line was at. Carl Deaton plus 410. Joe Selecki plus 520, or minus 520. Was this even a matchup that was supposed to be happening? Like, why is it that stacked? Or is it just, they're just throwing shit at the wall here. Let's see, who just like he was supposed to fight. Um, Benoit St. Denis a week ago. So I guess that makes sense. And they bring in Carl Deaton on short notice. So that's probably that. Um, I don't know, like, again, if I was able to do, like, uh, parlaying, a shout out to my guy Clint, like, this would be, like, a sub-special. I would be, like, doing, like, uh, you know, Muniz by sub, maybe, like, Suarez by sub, uh, you know, and you do, like, <clears throat> Selecki by sub, you know, maybe, you know, swap out maybe, like, a, a you know, a Levitt if that's where you're, uh, if you get a nice number on it, and that's where your analysis takes you. But yeah, I wish I could do some of those like fun, like uh, subspecial props, like my guy Clint does. Because uh, again, I don't play in houses that allow me to even parlay props. Forget the round robin again. Ugh. If only, folks. If only. Of course, your boy gotta go the hard way. Um. All right. Uh. Didn't look at this fight. Uh, Narulo Aliyev minus one eighty. Rafael Alves plus 155. Actually, probably uh, going to be a fun fight to worth looking at, but it's buried so below that I don't get to get to it, of course, as per usual. And we'll probably be uh, 
on my way home and still showering, uh, training from training and something, uh, and and miss it anyways because I'm, you know, trying to actually have a real life over here. Um, Aylin Perez plus one ten, Haley Cowan minus one thirty. Uh, looks like it did a complete line flip. Um, seeing a bunch of people on Aylin Perez, so hoping you guys are right. But again, low level WMMA fight. Let's go, let's go, and uh, let's go and flip the line. Please tell me there was a short notice fighter on here uh, as well. Um, maybe not. Maybe there's actually a good reason for it. Either way, I'm not trying to hate. I'm rooting for my friends that are betting it. I'm just saying, like, this is the shit that we uh, live and die for on these Twitter streets. Garrett Armfield versus Jose Johnson no longer on the card, so that saves me that. All right. Uh, I'm going to have to add in these timestamps later. We went over two hours, long show, and I probably will have turned everybody off in the beginning. So if you were those who had those comments, which were fair and fine, and I appreciate your listenership. You guys were awesome. Don't worry. You're right. But yes, if you had those comments, we're like, what the fuck is this show? This guy talks so long, even though I'm one of the few that actually like timestamps and says you can go skip ahead and gives you even like a recap so you don't have to listen to any of me if you want to. But hey, okay. Uh, I definitely deserve all the shade for that, for the bets, for everything. I, I just suck. So uh, I'm going to go quickly clean up the chat and then we will uh, I'll recap, pick some plays, and we'll get the fuck out of here. Mark Fellows, he always cheers me up. Look at my smile. Jake Matthews, Jake Matthews in the house. Jake Matthews. Tyson Pedro. He's a... What well, yeah, you're doing well, Jake, and staying away from the pedophiles. Yeah, pedophiles here. Yeah. Peter, pedophiles. Poking at your chest with the pedophiles here. Yeah. Um, watch out for them. But Mark, Mark Fellows is a good man, enjoying the beer and the Korean barbecue. This lovely lady enjoying life. Um, you know, I I had some bad cancer news that I you know, uh, or shitty cancer news or just whatever. But uh, like, dude, fucking Mark Fellows, fucking. Uh, dude had some good cancer news recently. He's been uh, reading between the lines. That guy's been been going through it, but you would never tell because he's so fucking positive and loving, and uh, just deserves everything good. Shouts to him. Um, Rain Lamina <laughs> is Dan Tom the James Krause of betting the house. I am not the James Krause of anything, and even without James Krause, there is no betting the house with my bad luck. You kidding me, Rain Lamina? Appreciate you by the way, sir. Kazar uh, Rafael Alves deserves a main card spot here. You see, I agree, and I feel awful for not getting to uh, get to his fight but as you can see there's just so much crap to cut through and the UFC clearly doesn't care yet here I am trying to care and beating myself up for not doing the job um, but he says yeah Rafael Alves deserves a main spot I really hope the UFC keeps him regardless of this outcome yeah I think so too he's a really fun fighter um, Liam picks fights Minu sub is sub one is 13-15 career sub wins yeah, that's right. 13 out of 15 career sub wins. Minus sub one. Okay. All right. I feel better if I'm on the, the uh, side of my guy, Liam. Uh, Kazar, Dan, hope you're having a, a great night and, and a great day tomorrow. I appreciate you. Thank you. I really hope I have a great day tomorrow, too, because uh, uh, I'm taking my dog, Benjamin, again, for uh, for uh, his latest cancer checkup on the latest lumps and stuff. So let's... He's doing, again, he's showing all the will and effort, this and that. I just, you know. Um, shouts to, uh, I don't want to make anybody sad listening, but shout, you know. Uh, shouts to a, shout, shout, shouts to, 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 to a, a, a dog listener of the show, if you will, Turk. Um, you know, you just, you, and, and, and all the other dogs and anyone else that has a dog that's gone through this stuff. It's, it's inevitable, but this shit can happen quicker than we'd like to. Um, so, uh, and, and, and not to bring up something personal for someone else or anything like that or trigger anybody else, but like, uh, you know, 
uh, listener of this show would, would walk a, one of the, you know, again, I, of course, I think Benji Boy here is the greatest dog. We all have great dogs. Another one of the greatest dogs ever is Dog Turk. Uh, you know, one of my friends listening to the show goes on dog walks for certain fights and would go would go on dog walks for certain fights. And I think um, in effort to just not let this UFC schedule control any more of my fucking life than it already does and to spend to maybe hopefully lessen, lessen that little bits of regret in case I have any when my boy passes, spend more time with him. Uh, I'm going to be uh, doing walks during fight cards. Since I don't watch, get to watch this shit live anyways, I'm just going to making sure that like fights that I really give a shit about. Um, I probably won't do it during Alves, uh, uh, Aliyev, but uh, but yeah, I'm going to be taking uh, my dog Benjamin and Brownie for uh, walks in, order, in, honor of, uh, in honor of Big T. So, shouts to anybody out there who's uh, lost animals. Shouts to cancer survivors uh, and all that. This show is for you guys, if anybody, right? Shoulder crunch and pinch the headlock from Neil's instructional, which is really good. Ah, Ghost Phantom knows what I'm talking about. Glad that it didn't go out of the window. Mushroom MMA. Mooney's sub. Mooney's sub round two. I am with you, buddy. I am with you. Uh, there. Um... Jimmy Kudo, inside trip on the overhook side, outside foot sweep on the underhook side, Riverside for the East Coast guys. Love it, love it. Love those notes, Jimmy Kudo. Really good notes there, my man. Look at you guys. Uh, oh, my God. Mushroom MMA in the house. That's right. All right. Uh, Jack Slack timestamps. He's back. Cheers, Dan. False recap accusations. BJJ instructional by Craig Jones. Bless. Whatever that means. I read it too fast to comprehend. Um, all right. All right, yeah, Mark Fellows says, Apologies for missing the UFC 25 breakdown. This time next week, I'll be on a plane to Bali. You deserve it, Mark. Enjoy your trip to Bali. Kazar says, I'm now scared for Al- Alves. It will be sad if he loses to the new Tajik guy. Yeah, he's a fun guy. We'll see what happens there. Um, I hate tee-ups like this. It's clear that Suarez is getting a layup. I'm hoping... Montana can pull it off because of the manipulative, this manipulative BS. Yeah, I hate this matchup for her too. Even though I'm betting for her to lose, obviously uh, a little torn there because I'm, I'm a Montana Del Rosa fan, and uh, wish her and her family nothing but the best. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. We've been here way too long. <coughs> uh, sorry. Oh, by yeah. Uh, by the way, was MMA decisions down for people this week, or was that just me? Um. But yeah. Uh, okay, so. Bellator 291, we're taking uh, Amosov by decision. Uh, no other breakdown for the rest of that. No picks or plays for any of the rest of the card. Apologies. UFC Fight Night 220, UFC Vegas 70. Uh, taking Krylov over Span. Taking Muniz over Allen. Taking Sakai over Mays. Taking Suarez over De La Rosa. Taking Malat over, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Check my quick picks for the... Sakai Mays. Check my quick picks for Malat Linus, but I'll probably lean toward Mike Malat. Um, who knows who I'll take for Trevor Peak uh, versus Eric Gonzalez. Check me. Excuse me. At Dan Tom and May on Fight Day, where I always post all my picks and plays for usual. For free. Uh, leaning toward well, taking uh, Jez Davisius over uh, MMA Gambler's uh, hot thing this week, Fernandez. Um, take uh, leaning toward Levitt over Martinez. See where I end up. Definitely rooting for Levitt. Um, taking uh, 
We'll probably will take Johnson over Osborne, but you might want to check double check there. Probably will take Selecki over Deaton. Want to double check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day to see what I finalize on there. Same for Aliyev over Alves. Hart will be with Alves regardless if I pick him. Check me at Dan Tom MMA to see what my pick is there. Who knows? Who cares between Alien Perez and Haley Cowan? But again, check me on Fight Day. Thank God we had a cancellation, although I hope uh, everything is okay for Armfield and Johnson. The only plays, which uh, might be my only plays, we'll see if I like anything else. Um, Muniz by sub plus 135, three quarter units. Uh, round two sub Muniz plus 600 with a .17 new sprinkle. The other play, Suarez inside the distance, plus 115, one hit with a sprinkle. 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3, 1-3